Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up on today's show, we will be joined by Kendra Douglas of uh, the uh, NBC station in Orlando. Kendra, good friend of the show, did uh, some work in uh, Wichita, and uh, she's been covering the Bucks all season long. She was also in the NBA bubble there in Orlando, and uh, she's going to be at the Daytona 500 in a couple of weeks. I mean, just everything is going on with uh, Kendra. So we'll get her perspective as we'll go behind the lines talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when uh, Kendra joins us coming up later on in today's show. So you will not want to miss out on that. It'll be a uh, fantastic conversation when uh, Kendra stops by. Plus, Bo, Coach Bo, Ron O'Connor from O'Connor Advisory Group. He'll join us later on for Coach Bo's football fix. And then at the end of the show, we'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week as well. So uh, thanks for stopping by and joining us. A reminder, as always, to subscribe to the Jones Report on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And uh, you can also find me on social media at Tyler Jones Live and uh, at TJ Media Group. We'd certainly appreciate that. Thomas Bridges is here. TV, what's uh, shaking? You know, just uh, still getting acclimated to life in Tulsa, living here and uh, loving it each and every day. Um, you know, I have a literally four minute drive to work, um, maybe less than that even. And it's, uh, you know, I, I love Bartlesville where I'm from, but I'm loving each and every day as a Tulsa resident. Jones, I'll tell you, and, and, and you moving to a new place, you can attest to this too. And, and maybe not Lawrence, but since you do radio uh, or you did radio in Lawrence, people recognized you. Um, I, I hate this term, but even as like a mini hometown hero in, in Bartlesville DJing and just being there for so long, I see so many. I used to see so many people I know if I went shopping like at Homeland or Walmart. I went to Walmart the other day and walked around and shopped for about 45 minutes. And obviously, I didn't see anybody I knew. No one, no one spoke to me. No one said a word. I did my shopping in peace. And I thought, oh, this is great. I, did, I don't have to, you know, I probably cut my shopping time in half. Because in Bartlesville, if I went to Walmart, I'm seeing at least three or four people I know. Um, and so now, you know, I shop at the 81st and I guess 81st and I don't know what it is. 81st and whatever. Um, by ORU in Tulsa, and it's just like, oh, I don't have to see anybody I know. No one knows me here. I can literally have complete, you know, be completely anonymous, right? And do my shopping in peace. And I'm like, yes, yes. That was one of the things I liked about this idea of moving to Omaha. Um, as much as I love Broken Arrow, my hometown. And, you know, Lawrence, uh, where I was previously at for the last six and a half years, um, one of the, I don't even want to say drawbacks, I don't think it's necessarily the right term, but one of the things that would happen is that, like Tom just said, is that you can't go anywhere without someone recognizing you, you know, stopping you, whatever. Um, And most of the time it's great, but at the same time, you're, you know, looking behind your back, wondering who's watching you and such. And, uh, you know, trying to make sure that you're on, you know, great behavior all the time. You don't want a Britt McHenry uh, towing incident of some sort. And you can be, you can be whoever you want to be. 
Sure. Um, but one of the things about this, about moving to Omaha, Tom, was not only was I in a new city and everything, but I'm not doing local news here. I'm doing working for a national network. And so I'm not the guy that people were turning on for their 10 o'clock news after, you know, after supper and bedtime and everything, and then hoping that they see me at Walgreens or something. Uh, I'm just another guy in this town. I get to live a normal life. People don't know who I am. I like that, actually. That was one of the things that attracted me to this job. Just get to be a normal guy and live a normal life of sorts. So um, I'm not trying to pump up my ego or anything like that one bit, but it was it's a nice thing to have. Um, but my, my intro to Omaha this week, Tom, we had, I kid you not, on Monday, we had 12 inches of snow. And that was the most snow that Omaha's had since 1975 for a single Damn. Time. It was ridiculous. My parents were up here this weekend. They got out of here Sunday afternoon, and they got out of here at the right time. It, it was so bad, Tom. And, you know, we're, we're always – we're an honest, open forum on this show. Um, you know, we, we keep it real around here. That's how we've done things since day one. And We try. Right. And – uh, I, I was in a car accident on Monday. Uh, it wasn't my fault, um, but the you know I won't go into too much details and such. Uh, normally, I wouldn't even talk about this type of thing, but the reason why I bring this up is, uh, you know, when when you're out there um, driving in these weather conditions and stuff like that, think about people like me. That um, you know, my car. I don't know if it's totaled or not we're still getting that evaluated i had to you know take some time off work and such and have medical examinations done and some things that i don't necessarily want to repeat on here but um you know that i could have died and i hate to take it to that extreme of some sorts but that's a realistic thing you know people uh just think about other people when when you're going out and you know you know, be safe out there and and not so selfish. That's that's one thing that uh, I can never get over, Tom, is just selfish people. And I, I think that you know when you talk about people driving in weather conditions like that, I mean, ask yourself, do I really need to be out? Do I really need to be doing this? Am I being safe enough? Just think about others. So that's why I bring this up, Tom, is is for the folks out there, you know, not, you know, I'm not asking for sympathy one bit. I'm just asking you to just think about other people when you get out there in these type of conditions. Uh, it, it certainly opened up my mind to that, putting myself in that situation. Well, yeah, that, and, and it's not like you know the roads either. And like I said, it's, you know, it wasn't your fault even. That could have happened in Lawrence, could have happened in BA or Coweta. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it could have happened anywhere, but at the same time, you don't, you know, there is, there is a thing where you know the roads more, you feel comfortable and, like I said, again, it's not, it wasn't your fault and you probably couldn't have stopped it either way, um, from happening because you were, had a green light and, and did that. But even at the same time, like, sure, you know, yeah, sure. You know, you know, you might've not been, you know, as custom to driving on the road, but that can happen anywhere. But at the same time, you know, thank God you're okay. Um, yeah. because you know, we can, we can we can do this show every week, and you know we can do that. But you know, Jones and I hate to bring it up, and you you said it. You hate to bring it up. I didn't even know you had a wreck till the next morning. You didn't even tell me. 
I found out on Instagram. So that, that tells you how secretive Jones is. I didn't know shit until I woke up that next morning. And, and I even talked to Jones after that. He, he wasn't, you know, talking about it, which is, which is cool. Uh, you know, uh, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't, you don't, you didn't need to put that out to, to whoever. And it's not wreck or whatever, but you know, it's, you know, wasn't, it was serious because yeah, your car got messed up, but at the same time, you know, you're fine. You're all right. There's bigger right. things to worry about. Insurance I did not is gonna... bring this up about me. This is not. You weren't. You weren't. You weren't doing it for clout. No, absolutely not. I don't need. Right. Exactly. I can. I can respect that because I didn't even know about it. And yeah, then I thought, I'm oh not shit, looking, for, looking for that one bit. I'm just doing. I felt an obligation, and uh, I say this. Why we even mentioned this at the top of the show too, for the same exact reason. I felt an obligation as somebody in that experience to share my experience and in the hope that someone else comes to mind to avoid that same situation. Right. And you got, you got Charlie, dad, Charlie, he's in the insurance business. You were, you were straight from the beginning. Like you're, you're good. Right. Right. Um, But with with that being said is um, I say this, I, you know, I go public with this, uh, so others can think about not making the same mistake that this individual made. Maybe they think of me sharing this story of what happened. And when they're in a situation where there's, you know, bad weather of some sorts, okay, you know what? I don't want what happened to Tyler to happen to someone else. I'm going to go ahead and stay home. Um, right. Even that, I, I think if you're a responsible driver in the snow, I, you know, I honestly, Jones, from what I know, and you know, we won't, go like you said go into too much detail but from what i know i mean that that could have happened on a normal day on a normal road without any snow um and it and it very well could have happened that way um just just from what i know and like i said we won't go into too much detail but um you know at the end of the day you can replace a car you can't replace you though so even though it wasn't a crazy you know just a, a crazy wreck you know it, it, it still can happen the same way when I, you know, when I hit a deer, I mean, anything can happen. Um, so at that, at the end of the day, it's just glad that you're here because we yeah. can, we can talk and, and, you know, unfortunately, like I mentioned earlier and, and I, again, I hate to mention it, but there, there have been other people that have been on this show that we've talked to and good friends that, that have lost their lives due to a, uh, a vehicular accident. Yeah. Um, or Jula. just an, you a, mentioned Brad Jula. Um, uh, yeah, Brad Cole Trent. Clemens. Yeah, uh, but both of us got. I mean, uh, I it happens. I'm glad you brought that up because, to be honest, um, I did not think of them through this, but it brings up a good point. Brett Jula, uh, who we loved having on this show and was great talking college football years ago, um, was hit by a drunk driver and died. Uh, Cole Clemens. It was that was a that was a, a snowmobile. A, yeah, snowmobile accident on a mountain. It can happen. It can happen anytime. Right. And so, please, folks, just be careful. Uh, whether it's and, and Jones, or... you and I travel a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We I do. mean, we go. Um. So it, it's know, imperative. It is, and you know they say the most dangerous thing you're going to do in a, uh, each day is hop in a vehicle. Yeah, that's uh, the truth. And, you know, I, I'm going to, you know, after this, you know, 
I live my life. I move on to the next day. You know what I did when I, I got home from that accident, Tom? I recorded the uh, racing podcast with David and Dominic and, and uh, our guest, Mike Skinner. It was back to business. You, you're uh, better, yeah, you're better than I because I had a drink of beer. <laughs> there was one consumed that evening, but it was – Yeah, I was going to imagine. Uh, rightfully so, though. Rightfully I, so. I was going to start the, uh, a new diet uh, on Monday uh, and just go to the gym and such. And like, Yeah, that, that has to push you back. That has to push you back. It did. For, for rightfully. But, but, but no one's blaming you for that because uh, – oh, And I will uh, get on that, but I, I that, didn't have to you know, cope with things for a bit. But certainly thankful I'm okay. And thanks for everybody that's reached out. Um, you know, you guys are all amazing. I'm certainly incredibly blessed, grateful that we can sit here, and do this show, and deliver it to you as we've done for you know ten seasons, a, a decade. Yeah, and uh, you know, one car accident of some sorts is not going to get in that way. I just hope that um, you all, uh, you know, take my experience and hopefully you, you think about that and can learn from that and avoid a similar situation of some sort. So that's all that I, I, I have. I know that we went a little long on that, but we no, just... that's all right. That's, that's a, that's a PSA Jones. Yeah. That's a PSA. And, and, you know, sometimes we have to get to that point where, okay, it's not all about sports. It, it, it you know, we, we oh, experience the things every day. We're all human. And we experience things on, you know, you know, we, we can you can hear some a couple of guys doing a podcast talking about some bullshit sports every now and then. But at the same time, on the human level, we all experience something that we can all relate to. And that's it. I mean, it's the human condition. Um, I would I would guarantee, Jones, if you are been driving for 10 plus years, if you haven't had some sort of a car accident, whether it be very minor fender bender uh, jacking up, you know, maybe a tire on a curb or a full fledged car accident. If you've been driving for 10 plus years and you have had, you haven't had that happen to you, you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's for sure. So, uh, you know, thanks for everybody that's reached out. Uh, it certainly meant a lot to me. We know that a lot of people care and such and, and, uh, just ready to, uh, to move on to this next chapter and everything will work itself out. So um, that's all I can say there. I'm doing fine, doing better than what I've been and such and uh, onward and upward from here. And uh, certainly reason to be happy, excited about what the Kansas City Chiefs are doing. How's that for a transition? Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> the Chiefs headed to the Super Bowl. Take out the Tampa Bay Bucks. Coming up. We have to wait another week. Jones, the guy that wrecked into you, he's a Bills fan. <laughs> he had to have been. Oh yeah, an angry Bills fan. He, he uh, no one crashes into a car like the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> no one circled <laughs> my wagon like the Buffalo Bills. He uh, tried to circle your wagon. When I went to the doctor, I got a shot in the ass. And uh, did you really? I did. I did. Did you? What? Yeah. You didn't tell me this. This is the first I've heard about it. Did yeah, you? I, you I got one right. In the, was it the left or the right butt cheek? It was the right. It wasn't a tetanus shot, was it? Uh, no, it, it was, uh, again, not trying to get too detailed, some sorts, but it was a... Tell us, tell all, tell it, all about the bus pain, shot. It was a pain reliever of sorts. It was. It worked in the same way that, like, an ibuprofen does of some sort. Oh, my gosh. You, yeah. you took a needle right to the butt. Yeah, and... Uh, That's beautiful. I feel great after that. Yeah, actually. 
<laughs> oh, there we I go. A, I had a nice female give it to me, too. So that's all. Oh, good. my goodness. Um, He's the hottie of the week this week. Yeah, there we go. Um, uh, I, I, her name, thankfully, wasn't uh, Tiffany. Um, you gotta <laughs> oh, my from, goodness. You stay away from those Tiffany's. Am I right? Um, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, but somehow we were talking about the Chiefs here. Um, they... they Get to the uh, Super Bowl, I think that's what it's called, right? Um, yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> they got the, they got the Bucks, and yeah, look back. We talked about it on Monday's show when when Derek Haglund stopped by and joined us, and you know there there wasn't anything from that Bills game uh, that you ever thought that game was in doubt of some sorts. Um, you know, I, I've told you guys for quite some time that this Chiefs team. Um, that they weren't playing quite to what they were capable of. You know, there was a lot of the talking heads in the national media were sitting back saying that, hey, the, the Chiefs are uh, in this position where these teams are playing close games, that, you know, they're almost losers to the Falcons and the Dolphins and all these other teams. I said, well, they're just not showing a whole lot. They're not needing to blow out these teams and win by these big margins and such. And then we see after Mahomes gets somewhat healthy and then, you know, goes ahead and plays in that game, uh, that second game there of the playoffs against the, uh, the Bills there, the Chiefs kicked it up another notch. They didn't let their foot off the gas. And, you know, that's why I look at this Chiefs team, as I've argued all season long, is that – at times, they did put off the gas. They didn't have to show everything. It was the job for them, instead of showing everything, to just go ahead and try to try to run out the clock and you know manage the game that way. Now, in this case, you flip a switch of some sorts. You go into another mode where now it's put the pedal to the metal. You know, you, you break their necks or whatever. You know, you just go full on out. That's what we saw against Buffalo there. And so now you look ahead to this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, you know, um, think about that last matchup, Tom, um, what we saw back in November. And I know that both teams are very different teams. But that was a game that was very clear. After the second quarter, the Chiefs laid off the gas a bit. I mean, that final possession, um, you know, they could have very well gone down and scored a touchdown and put the game that way. Instead, they had four and a half minutes of clock, and they did what they could to run out the clock and manage the game that way. Um, when you're playing for a Super Bowl, you got four and a half minutes of clock. The best way to put the game away is to go score and go get a touchdown. They weren't trying to show, put all their cards out there for a team that they potentially might face in the Super Bowl and such. So that's where I look at. And I know we'll have more time to break down this game next week and such, but that is where this team is at as far as finding – you know, what, what is this – who are the Chiefs right now? They're a team that has now flipped a switch that has uh, put the, you know, pedal to the metal of sorts. They're a different team than they were even three, four weeks ago, Tom. I, I think that they have engaged in another way that uh, was not there before. Some people might disagree. I know even Bo disagrees with my uh, sentiment on that. But that's where I feel this team's at right now. Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, with the Bills game, too, um, you know, at, at first faced some adversity. 
there was a, a point in that game that it was like, oh, shit, the Bills have come to play. And they did. The Bills did come to play. The, you know, Stephon Diggs maybe had like, what, 40, not even 40 yards yeah, uh, re- receiving. So, you know, that was a point of the game plan that you can tell that they were focused on. But at the at the point in time when, you know, the Bills came out, they they did come to play. I mean, there was no slight um, in, in their game plan. They they came out and they scored. And I think at one point in time, it was nine to zero. Um, so they were no slouches. Um, and, and just so happened that, you know, the Chiefs had a game plan as well that they came and, and played. And, and whenever the Bills answered, the Chiefs answered back. And then they continued to answer. And, and you, you mentioned it. There was no doubt you know, from the scores that I've seen and how that game played out, there was no doubt in my mind that the, the Chiefs were going to win that game, unlike maybe the Packers and Bucks, which was – I wouldn't call the Bucks and Packers uh, an insta-classic, um, but it was close. It was a great game. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying, a great game. But it, you, you could tell – and there's a lot of these games. Uh, granted, regular season playoffs, whatever it is, there's a lot of these games that you have no doubt who's going to win um, just based off the, the feel of the game as, as far as, hey, you have it in control. And the Chiefs never lost that. And that was, a, a, to me, granted, they're going back. Bowls could very well win. It, that was a huge step. If, if the Chiefs had to make a step, and Jones, we've talked about the Chiefs all year, all f-ing year. We've talked about the Chiefs. Literally every show we've talked about the Chiefs, which is fine. Um, but we talk about the Chiefs, and we talk about the Chiefs, and we talk about the Chiefs. You ever heard the country song, want to talk about me, want to talk about I, want to talk about number one? Yeah. That, that is the Chiefs, and we've done that. We've done it. I think that, I don't know if that's a Toby Keith song or what, but we've done it. And so we we try to you know adjust content to say, Okay, can we not say the same thing about the Chiefs every week? What what new things can we say about the Chiefs that we already have not said about the Chiefs? Right. We can only say that Dan Sorensen is awful so many times. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. So we can only say, well, like, every week we try to, you know, come up with something different about the Chiefs to say something about the Chiefs that you already haven't heard on this show. And I think after last week, or after the the whole playoff run in general, what we can say about the Chiefs now that we didn't say last year, or that we haven't had we haven't said all season, is and we may we we did talk about this at the beginning of the playoffs. The Chiefs have to be different. They have to be different from last year, because you can only the the getting's only so good while the getting's good, and it's not good after it's not ours. It's already got right, and, and even and, in and, that sense. Um, you know, you, you want them to talk about being different of some sorts. They were, on Sunday, they were different than what they were all season, but what they weren't different from from last season's post-playoffs uh, was the fact that they got down by two scores and then turned into, you know, a blowout, you know, turned into a beatdown. And that's what I we mean, saw in all three I was- Playoff games of the Chiefs last year was that they got down by double digits 
and then came back to just put a shellacking on those uh, those teams that they faced. And that's what happened Sunday was it was almost like watching that, you know, some of those playoff games from last year all over again, what they did to Buffalo. And I think that's uh, – you, you don't want to see this team play from behind, um, but I think the strength of this team as opposed to um, some of the others is – is that they can come back, that they have – even when they were down by two scores, it was like there wasn't a point of concern. It's like, yeah, we've been there before, been there, done that. Right, exactly. Jones, I was going to ask you, there. and I'll, I'll, I'll start off real quick here. Okay, this. and then I got a scenario uh, after that, so go ahead. Okay, so I got – I want you to pick two words. I got. I already got two words in mind from the difference from the Chiefs in, in 2020 – the 2020 playoff run versus this year. I got two words. I got two words. And I want you, when you give me your two words, I want you to give you me your first, like, you know, your first pick of the words. I'll, I'll go, I'll give you my two words first. And the two words, the difference between this team and last year's team, I got two words for you. The first one is definite. And the second one is control. And it's the reason I picked definite and control hard to get is those two, the, yeah, exactly. Those two words is, was I ever in doubt that the Chiefs were going to lose against the Bills? No, definite. And definite really pairs up. It's almost like an alley-oop when I say control. Um, because the – I don't know if it's the confidence or I don't know if it's just the, the, the sheer talent on that team that – even when down, you know, it was what nine to zero at one point. Yeah, in the early, early in the first, it was control because this. It, it, it and you know what, Jones. If I had to pick an alternate word, I'm going to let you pick your words, and I'll give you my alternate word because I don't want to steal one from no, you. I, but I, I, I have an alternate word. Choose, I don't even want to choose words. I have a phrase. Okay, um, give me your phrase. Uh, been there, done that. You know, you, okay, that's fair. I was gonna. My third alternate word was gonna be experience. I mean, you'd look at they—they they know the situation, know how to handle it, and, and to go about that. I mean, there wasn't, uh, you know, a, a concern level of sorts. I mean, you take back wasn't too long ago, Tom, that you know the Chiefs had this problem of winning playoff games. And if Alex Smith is that quarterback that is down double digits, so we love Alex. It's not Alex Smith's slander. This is just honesty. If they're down double digits in a playoff game, you're like, yeah, no shot, no chance. Yeah. I mean, if, if it's Alex Smith is the quarterback, they don't beat the Texans last year. No, they'd be home. Yeah, exactly. Um, that That's what you look at is that, you know, they, they have a quarterback. They've been in these situations before. They know how to go through those things. Here's the scenario. And I was thinking about this with that Bucks packers game last week, uh, last weekend. Let's change course a little bit. Let's say, and I highly doubt this is going to be the case in the Super Bowl, uh, just because it's, it's very rare when we repeat things almost identical week to week. But the Bucks were up by one point, what, 18? Was that it? Of what they led the Packers by? That was their highest. Oh, uh, yeah. Blues yeah. 18 or 17 it, or 18. Yeah. In the second half, it was, it was very high. Um, with Brady throwing the three picks and everything like that. 
Um, the Packers came up short. We, we know what happened with Matt LaFleur kicking the field goal instead of going for the touchdown in fourth. We know about Aaron Rodgers not, you know, you know, taking that lane to the end zone in that run play. We, we, we know what happened there. We've criticized the Packers about it. Um, swap the teams. Put Kansas City in that situation. Spot Tampa Bay 18 points. But then in the second half, Tom Brady's going to turn over the ball three times. Um, the Chiefs are going to find a way to win that football game. And Andy Reid is going to make the right calls. He's going to be gutsy about it. He's not going to be a coward like, uh, like Matt LaFleur is. Um, you're going to have the players. You're going to have the – He's going to eat that cheeseburger. Yeah, exactly. And so that's one thing I look at is, you know, the Chiefs aren't going to be down 18 points to the Bucs, and they're not going to uh, turn out – you know, Tom Brady's not going to throw three picks in the second half again. Those things aren't going to happen. But if they're in that situation, you still say to yourselves, they'll win. The Packers won't. That's one thing I look at heading into Sunday is it's in you know, a couple weeks from now is that they are prepared for these situations, uh, which bodes huge for them. That, that's that's great. They are prepared for those situations as opposed to some of these inexperienced teams and even a team like Green Bay last week with a Hall of Fame quarterback with Aaron Rodgers. They can do things that others can't. Yeah, they can. And, and even if – okay, let's say – you know, and I don't want to give any picks away because we'll make those next week. But even if the Chiefs are down 18, okay, let's give let let's make the score not even the Super Bowl because Super Bowl is a little bit different. Let's just say a normal last game, Chiefs are down. I'll I'll give Tom Brady and the Bucks 18 starting out, 18 starting out with this offense. And you know, we like to talk a lot on Dan Sorensen and how he's shit, but. <laughs> You know, I mean, we we can say all we want, but he's, you know, has the potential next weekend to become a two-time Super Bowl champion, Dan Sorensen, golly. Um, But two-time champion, two-time champion Dan Sorensen. In that case, you believe it. I'm kidding. (laughs) Yeah, can you believe it? Can you see it? Can you know it? Um, Two-time champion Dan Sorensen or the potential to become one we talk about this and, and, you know, we, we, we love to talk about Tyree kill Travis Kelsey and, and the shame, the shame, the, the, the misfortune of, of Travis Kelsey not playing that last game. Cause he would have had the most yards um, by, you know, most receiving yards by any player in the NFL. And then that, that's probably the first time as a tight end, maybe ever. I, I don't know. Yeah, Tyden's um, never and, led the league in receiving. Exactly, and so we can talk a whole lot of on you know George Kittle and see how great he is. You know, obviously he doesn't have the quarterback that that Travis Kelsey does, but that would have been huge for Travis Kelsey, and to even get that close, to be honest, is huge. Um, but you have all these offensive weapons, right? And and you might not have you know you, you at that point you don't have cream hunt. You know, as great of a running back he was before all the stuff happened. Now you have Travis. Now you have, you know, Le'Veon. And, you you know, ATN is going to be good for the Super Bowl, and so is Le'Veon Bell. But so you have all these offensive weapons, all of them. Hard, I mean, you can include Hardman. You can include Watkins. 
Um, I'm sure, you know, I'm not a fan of the Chiefs like I am the Rams, so I'm sure there's probably someone I could, you know, miss. But at that point, you have all these weapons, you have all of them. And, and to, you know, I don't want to discredit the offense by crediting to the defense, but when you look at the Bills game, this defense did shut down Stephon Diggs, and that was in the game plan. And and so to and, – and, and to mention, we'll mention this later, um, who's – you know, you mention it later. Who Who's the Danny Amendola-type guy for the Bucks? Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller. He, he goes on Instagram, and, and I don't blame him for this. And I, I know you probably won't blame him this for either, but he – they talk about who's quicker, who's 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 better, him or Tyree Kill. As far as offensively, I'm gonna give the edge to, to Tom Brady on all time being the better quarterback than than Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, you know, he still has a long career ahead of him. He could end up being better than Brady. At this rate, he's he's on pace. Um, but at the at the same time, he said, Can he beat? Tyree Kill in a race, and he said yes. He said I, I I'm I'm not gonna doubt myself, and and that's the you know that's the response you you should get out of a self confident receiver, and that's the response that should be expected out of a person that plays professional football. You never doubt yourself. Even RG three said you know he would be better than however many quarterbacks. While we know that's not true, All it's right. respectable. No, it's respectable to have the self-confidence. But Scotty Miller, you know, what, what I'm saying, where I'm getting with this is that the Chiefs offense has so many weapons, even if the Buccaneers offense does not. We talk about the Chiefs offense all the time. And I've talked about them, obviously, just right now. But at that point in time, the Chiefs defense has to be you know, we're talking about Chiefs Buccaneers a little bit now. We'll talk about it more next week. But I don't feel like the Chiefs defense gets enough respect, Jones. And we've talked about them. Like I said, we talk about the Chiefs more than I talk about my love life. They, we, they, they get no respect. And, you know, we talk about Frank Clark, but they have, they have the players to do it. Yeah. And the Chiefs defense, I think, and I get, you know, you said, Tom, where are you getting with this? I think the Chiefs should get more defensive respect than they do right now. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because let's let's look at the Chiefs' defense. Look at these two playoff games. Um, the Bills, what did we hear all about the Bills? You turned on Sunday NFL Countdown on ESPN, and they're trying to tell you that Josh Allen is better than Patrick Mahomes. And exactly. We're on the same page. Than Tyreek Hill and – that this was just a, the best offense in the league and and yada yada dissolved. They're, hot. They're so hot. And no wonder that Sunday NFL Countdown has terrible ratings on television when uh, when I hear all this nonsense being spewed by Rex Ryan and Teddy Bruschi in that game. Although Sam Ponder, I still love you. Um, I'm not here for Sam Ponder slander one bit. Um, she's our all American girl. We love Sam. But anyways, I digress. Uh, <laughs> but you heard all these things from these talking heads all about Buffalo and all this. And the Chiefs defense played fantastic. Stephon Diggs was awesome this year. I like Diggs. I like John. I like I, I love I love Diggs. But they laid an egg. And Spags had a great game plan. 
I, I don't even think I don't, Jones. I don't even think that they laid an egg. I, I, you know, I, I think saying laid an egg is a discredit to the defense that has seen no respect all year. Yeah, Frank Clark. Have they been the best? Have they been the best defense? Absolutely not. No, no, no. Frank Clark has been bad this year. Frank Clark is for the money he's getting paid. Yes, obviously. All that money that he's getting paid, he has not lived up to it. But when push came to shove, when it mattered, Frank Clark stepped up last week. Two sacks. He was phenomenal. He was great. The chief, uh, the the Chiefs stepped up. They did what they did. That Bills before. offense was was regulated to nothing. Look at that Browns game the week before. They held the Browns to three points in that first half. That was the best. And, 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 yeah, and the Browns, how many points did they score on the Steelers? Yeah. How many points? Forty-eight. Something like that. Something crazy. Yeah. On, on, you know, supposed to be one of the best defenses in the league. Obviously, you know, I, I got to input the Rams here being the best. But um, with Fitzpatrick and that that defense on the Steelers, the Browns yeeted on them. Yeah. And then they come into to Kansas City. And, Jones, here's the thing, too. And you, you can agree real quick with it. I'll make this point a lot quicker than I did about hyping up the Chiefs defense like I did because I pretty much put a fucking 30 for 30 together just then. On the on the Chiefs earlier, but um, listen, listen, the Browns came in, and the only reason the Browns covered that game is because Mahomes went down. Mahomes doesn't go down. We're talking about the Chiefs. Ben Harrison Butker missing some easy. Yeah, and we're talking about the Chiefs shitting down the backside of the Browns. Right. I mean, that's what we're getting at. Right. So. Listen, it's a lot of like the the 2011 Oklahoma State defense. Might not be the best, but so far so good for the Chiefs defense. They've showed up when it matters, and that has made all the difference. They've showed you can you can literally lay an egg all season, but if you get to the playoffs and show up, that's why the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. Not because of, not because of Patrick Mahomes. Some of it is, but if this defense isn't the way that it's played. The Browns get a lot closer, and Chad Henney might not pull that off. Right. Yeah. Chiefs defense deserves some major credit. Spags has done a good job. And what they've done, too, is they've gone back to the identity that Spags tried to establish when he took over as defensive coordinator, that they said they worked with Brett Veach, their GM, and they said, hey, we're not going to spend a whole lot of money on the cornerback position. We're going to rely – on Tyron Matthew to be uh, an all-pro safety, which he's been playing the best football of his career and really just be, a, you know, like center field, be, you know, uh, be a rover of some sorts, you know, do his thing. And then we're going to have an incredible pass rush. And the pass rush is going to be effective to open up things for the secondary. And, that's, and there were times this year where the pass rush wasn't doing its part, which led to the secondary giving up big plays – Case in point, both matchups with the Raiders and such. But now those problems look like they've been fixed. They've been solved. The, the thing that I look at with this matchup, and you know, we'll talk more next week and such, but the thing to me that if I think if you're a Chiefs fan, you should, you should be concerned about, you should be, is the fact that without more than likely both your starting offensive tackles. Without Eric Fisher, who love him or hate him, he's been to back-to-back Pro Bowls, and 
you know, has, has played good football uh, as of late. Uh, Mitchell Schwartz has been out most of the season, but nonetheless, he's an all-pro right tackle, and it looks like he's going to be out. And the Bucks have a really good defensive line themselves. Devin White has been phenomenal this postseason at that linebacker spot. You know, what he's had the year, he's been kind of like one of the breakout players of the NFL this year. Um, to me, that should be a concern. Now, I don't know if that's enough to give Tampa a win, if that's the difference between them winning and losing. But it is certainly something I think that if you – uh, if the Chiefs lose, it's going to be because their offensive line struggled against Den- against uh, Tampa Bay's pass rush, and and Devin White goes off, and Devin White still might even go off. This guy had fi- this guy had 15 tackles last week, so those are the things I'm looking at. If, if you're the Chiefs, that you should be most concerned about is is protecting Patrick Mahomes, a not 100% Patrick Mahomes, and also dealing with a uh, just avoiding giving up sacks and such. That would be my biggest concern right now. Yeah, it would. And, and you know, if, if he can move in the pocket, you know, if, if, if the line can step up and the defense can, can you know, I, 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 here's the thing, Jones, and this is outside looking in from my perspective, which sometimes can mean a whole lot, sometimes cannot mean but the Chiefs offense is going to score points. And, and you know, we don't want to break down this game too, too much until next week. But at the same time, this this game, regardless of how good the Chiefs defense have been, like, stepping up and, and making plays and, and being a lot better than they were this whole season, I think it it's going to come down to maybe who has the last possession. And, and like I said, we'll break down the game later on. But this is going to feature a lot of points. And so for the Chiefs to score those lot of points, it is going to be very evident that the, that the Chiefs' offensive line has to protect Patrick Mahomes. Because, Jones, you know like I know, if Chad Henney has to come in this game, and if Chad Henney has to win this game, and he does, let's say he does, I'm not even a Chiefs fan. I'm going out on Monday and buying a bottle of Henney. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think I would buy stock in Hennessy if Chad Henney, you know, for you know, knock on wood, I'm gonna not. You can hear it if he has to come in this game and Chad Henney pulls this off for whatever reason because the offensive line's bad and let's you know, worst case scenario, Mahomes goes down. Best case scenario, he wins. You know, Super Bowl MVP. For whatever reason, if the man has to come in and Chad Henney ends up pulling this off, a la Nick Nick Foles, um, then we'll, we'll take we'll basically Hennessy stock has to go up. We'll uh, we'll do with Hennessy what uh, what's been done with GameStop and AMC and such. That's yeah, nice. you can you can bet on it. Yeah, um, we'll, because we'll, we'll put our I, I, I don't I don't think that's going to happen. I think he'll just be fine, but. Uh, you make a good point in that the offensive line has to be a focal point the same way that the de- the defense has been a focal point of saying, hey, listen, we haven't been top tier all season, but listen, playoffs, different, like we said at the beginning, definite control experience. One, and one more thing, one more thing, we'll, we'll end on this before we bring in Kendra, um, is that uh, – 
when Patrick Mahomes is most effective, it is when he does Patrick Mahomes things, when he you know, escapes out of the pocket, when he's throwing on the run and, and doing all those incredible plays that we've seen in the last couple of years. And so, you know, we say Patrick protect Patrick Mahomes at all costs, but it's not just protecting him to be able to throw in the pocket. It's giving him enough time to do those crazy plays to allow him to be able to scramble for 10 yards and to not hold your breath when he, you know, runs, runs to the right, to the sideline of some sorts. It's all of that. It's not just protecting him in the pocket. So that's what I look at is, um, is protecting Patrick Mahomes. It almost goes without saying, but it's pivotal. It's extremely important in this case without – with these offensive line issues. And the offensive line's been inconsistent all year long as far as the injuries that they dealt with and such. This isn't anything new, but it certainly is, uh, is a challenge uh, that'll be ahead of them coming up uh, in a couple of weeks from right now. We're going to talk more about this matchup with uh, Kendra Douglas as uh, she said, John is coming up on the other side. Later on the show, Coach Bo is going to stop by for uh, this week's edition of Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. Plus, we'll have our Tom Fulry story of the week as well. All that more as we roll along. Stay with us here on the Jones. Join us now, the Jones Report this week from Wesh in Orlando. It is our great friend, Kendra Douglas, who's back. You may remember her from her time at K in uh, Wichita with a KSN and doing a great job with uh, that station over there. And and uh, now she's been all over the scene in Orlando covering some uh, everything from the NBA bubble to now a Super Bowl here a couple of weeks. Got a Daytona 500 coming, potentially even the Olympics. We'll see. But Kendra joins us right now. Kendra, appreciate the time as always. Glad to have you back. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. And it's so true. And I totally forgot that I just did something on how uh, about Daytona. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you just reminded me there's more craziness. <laughs> coming along so <laughs> I, I it's it's been a blast so far that's fantastic and uh I mean this Super Bowl was already going to be a big deal for for Tampa even with limited seating and everything but now to be the first team ever to host a Super Bowl within their own stadium with Tom Brady taking the Tampa Bay Bucks there What's the uh, excitement level right now uh, there in uh, in Central Florida where you're at about these uh, Bucks and this uh, trip to the Super Bowl here? Well, hey, Tony Romo called it. I mean, he called it when the Chiefs played them last time. So we should listen to Tony Romo from here on out. No, but um, it's really cool because it is a first and it's something that we haven't experienced yet. I mean, this is a guy that has already won six Super Bowls with one team and then came here and just was like, I'm going to do it. And I remember one of my coworkers said this year, it's Super Bowl or bust. And we kind of just threw that out there as like a joke, like, you know, like, can I really? And I think that we're definitely going to get to playoffs, but we didn't know how far. And just to see that this team really just after the bye week just took off and really just continue to grow together as a team and really fight for each other just shows that it really is about the culture of the program. One thing that head coach Bruce Arian said was that he, when he came in, he wanted to change the culture. He, and that meant like accountability that meant the guys fighting for each other. And so you can feel that energy around, you know, this team 
And it's just a, such a cool feeling and just a cool sight to see it. So many people are excited that everyone's looking forward to this moment. And, you know, it's, it's cool to say that like I'm two for two right now. Um, so I, I, you know, being able to cover the chiefs and now being able to cover the bucks, I'm just like, it's exciting. It's an exciting time, especially during a challenging year. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Kendra, I need some of that energy you got, you know, to, to rub off, you know, of some sorts. But you're, you're right in the middle of things. It's fantastic to see what you're doing. Certainly happy for you. And uh, should be a great game coming up in over a week between the uh, Chiefs and the Bucks here. And you mentioned Bruce Arians and Tom Brady. It doesn't seem like too long ago there were conversations about the relationship between those two, if they could really work together or not. Now, no one's talking about that right now. It seems like that they have figured that out. And also the assistants on this staff, Byron Leftwich is doing a great job calling plays. Todd Bowles on the defensive side, they've really come together. It seems like this team has really meshed and, and found a chemistry of sorts that may have not been there the entire time. I mean, it's always hard when you bring in a new quarterback who knows how to win, and then you're dealing with a team that hasn't had that much luck. And then on top of that, you're dealing with a coach that's expecting so much out of you, but then also, you know, wants to keep the program going the way he wants it to. And so one thing that um, Bruce Arians mentioned was like, on the sidelines, he lets Brady coach them sometimes. He might let Brady because he wants Brady to know, like, this is your team. This is your team and you have to take them to the level of where you want them to be at too. And I thought that was really cool because I think some coaches really want to keep that dominant factor of like the, I am the head coach. And you can kind of see that like Brady still respects head coach Bruce Arians and still wants to see him succeed and still wants to see him grow. But you know, if Brady sees something, you know, cause he's playing in it, he's going to say it, which I think is beautiful. I think that's a match made in heaven, honestly. And I think that there's just so much respect in this locker room and so much respect within these players that you just can't, you're just loving what's going on. You love how they're meshing. You love how they're gelling. One thing that was interesting though, is that I think the defense definitely took off. Like we've already seen that the defense, when we played uh, Green Bay the first time, we were like, this is the level that they need to be at. But then of course you saw them kind of trickling down a little bit. They didn't really, they weren't as consistent and I think right now they're realizing like they have to remain consistent throughout the entire year. They have to remain consistent throughout this whole time. And, you know, credit Todd Bowles for everything he's been doing. He's just been coming up with great players. Stop the Lila showcase and highlight his guys. And it's, it's just been awesome to see uh, Shaq and, you know, and Dominican and, 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 and Devin White just really go out there and really put some stats on the board. So I, I'm excited for this team because you could just tell that they're really gelling together. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's great to see from this Bucks team. It's been quite the story these uh, last few weeks to finally uh, break this point. And we, we knew going into this deal, Kendra, that, you know, looking at this Bucks team that, you know, they had a lot of talent, but without the OTAs, without a traditional offseason, even bringing in a new system for some of these players, it was going to take time. And uh, now here they are, just a completely different football team than uh, what they were uh, not too long ago. So uh, great to see with that front. So tell me about just the scene in Tampa. I believe there's going to be, what, about 25,000 fans, several thousand healthcare workers, uh, frontline vaccinated workers that will be there and such. Not your typical Super Bowl week with, 
you know, Super Bowl, you know, opening night and all that stuff. What is Tampa going to look like uh, leading up to this this game uh, next Sunday? Well, I mean, for starters, let's talk about the fact that athletes won't be here when we had a time like they normally are, because a lot of it was like the scenery of media days and getting to explore and getting to see everything and help out in the community. Do it. They do a lot of things before the Super Bowl. So you're not really going to have much of that going on. And uh, Arians was talking about how it's a little bit of an advantage for the Chiefs because they're going to come in just a couple days before the Super Bowl. It's like everyone right now is treating this as a regular game. You know, you don't really know that momentum or that feel yet of like we're at the Super Bowl because it's kind of like things are just, you know, paused a little bit. All these media things are, of course, going to be virtual. So we're going to talk all virtual to these players and these athletes. And so right now, you're kind of feeling like, uh, you know, I can't speak of what's going to happen day of the game because I'm sure the night of the game and and the night of everything, you're going to feel like, oh, this is the Super Bowl. But you, you kind of get that feeling of like, I guess this is a Sunday game, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like here we are. Um, I haven't been to Tampa yet, but from what I've seen from other people, you know, they have the flags up, they have everything going around the stadium and everything around the area that says Super Bowl. So the energy is there and, you know, the people know it's coming on, but you don't actually have like those crazy moments. Those like, you know, those interactions where you get to talk to athletes one-on-one and, and get to be with them right now because, well, we're in a pandemic. So um, it's definitely going to be different, but I really like the fact that, you know, healthcare workers are going to have the opportunity to watch this game. I think that's a beautiful thing that the NFL is doing. Um, and so I'm really excited. And for to see free that. too, I believe. Uh-huh. Yep. And they're vaccinated and they're going to be there. And I just think that's beautiful. I think that's so cool. I, I, you know, it's, it's so hard to, with everything going on, they're the ones that are really like working hard, you know, behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. But that that, that was really cool to see. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, that's something that we can all smile about, no doubt. Doesn't matter what team you're rooting for, or anything like that. It's great to see frontline workers get that opportunity to uh, attend a once in a lifetime Super Bowl like that. With Tampa being the host, the Bucks getting to play in their home stadium. I know that there's been questions about how neutral this game is going to be of sorts there. Um, do, you, do you think it's going to feel like a Bucks home game or uh, how's that all going to work out as far as playing in Raymond James stadium and everything? Well, from what I understand, because NFC is hosting too, they get to keep, they get to keep their locker room. So they don't have to change and go to the visiting locker room or anything either. So, you know, that part will stay the same. Of course, they're wearing the white jerseys and the chiefs are wearing the red. So, you know, they, they've won their last two games in the white jerseys. And so when you talk about kind of like, is it going to feel like a Bucks game? I think it is. I think it's going to definitely feel like a Bucks game, the good energy. I will tell you, I went to a Bucks game. Well, duh, but <laughs> with the games that I've covered and the games that I've gone to as a fan, it's definitely different. You know, there's definitely um, social distancing and there's definitely like signs and it, it's 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 different. But you still get a vibe that like you're going to a Bucks game, and I think the energy is going to be insane. I think the atmosphere is going to be live. Um, and it's kind of cool again. I mean, there's so much riding on this year and then they get to host it and then they're playing in it. So it's, it's going to be definitely a good, a good game for them. 
it's, it's going to be hard to ignore that pirate ship being right there and not think <laughs> are at home. I mean, it, it's all right there, but it, it'll be cool. Yeah. My first time, my first time seeing the pirate ship, I, I literally was like, this is real. Like, you know, like you, you see it, but like, I don't know. You didn't, you don't know you there until you're there. And people would say, Oh yeah. Like, did you go see the pirate ship? And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's massive. It's, so huge and it there's a pirate ship in a football stadium how many people can say that so it, did it's you go in it for sure did you go no in? no no well i haven't gone in it i okay. haven't I, I i haven't gone in it i'm sure after all of this which we say every day but um i'm sure after all this people can go into it maybe but um there's like, I think once or twice, there's a couple people in there, just like whoever is like they're honoring that day or whatever. Sure. So they've gotten to see it. But I just, I, the fact that I got to see that there's a ship in a football stadium, I think I'm good. <laughs> that, that's fantastic. Uh, that, that is uh, too cool to see. That, that should be great. Um, you know, we, we mentioned Tom Brady and, and Bruce Arians, of course. But one guy I think that you have to talk about that's, as important as almost anybody in that Bucks roster, what Devin White's been doing. This guy's just been phenomenal. Uh, what was it, 15 tackles last week against Green Bay here? I know the Chiefs have some great offensive weapons and everything here, but, I mean, when you see the Chiefs without their starting tackles, Devin White, uh, I imagine he's going to be a problem for them to deal with. What's, what's with Devin White, the way he's been playing as of late? I think what you're seeing is, like, you know, I hate to say it, but – again and repeating myself again but it's like you're just seeing everything come together you're seeing the pieces and you're seeing everything really come together for this defensive squad and I think that when you have everyone healthy when you have everyone on their a game and on their cues it allows for the outside guys it allows for the inside guys to really like showcase themselves too so Devin White and Shaq and all of them they're definitely having their highlight moments now and you know that's what we wanted to see all season and we saw a glimpse of it a little bit earlier on but it was just mainly that consistency like keeping that consistency going so yeah like you know I you know you hear Devin White's name called so much now and you're just kind of like it's clicking everything's going for them and that's what they're all about and it's cool to talk to them and hear that you know they're they all want each other to succeed and they all want to see each other like do well in the game and so they are really on their a game and trying to make sure that there's little room for error and 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 it's it's just if they continue to bring that and not let the um outside energy of being at a Super Bowl get the best of them and continue to have those blinders on I think you'll continue to see that same team show up yeah um, now, what, what's with, with Scotty Miller here, trying to say he's <laughs> Tyreek Hill and everything? Kendra, I mean, this guy came out of nowhere. He, he's filled kind of that role Brady was looking for, that Danny Amendola, Julian Edelman type. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. is like The thing is, it's crazy. is like Scotty is very just like a happy-go-lucky, humble guy. Like when you talk to him, he's just very like, I'm just happy to be here type of moment, you know, like, so which I heard about the, yeah. So when you hear about him saying like, I'm faster than the cheetah, you kind of want to be like, 
where did this swag or was this swag or you know like honestly I kind of was like okay I see you Scotty because he's definitely somebody that's just kind of like they tell me to do this I'm gonna do it he's he's just a humble guy so I kind of enjoyed that swagger a little bit just hearing him say that and um you know we will see come Sunday who is faster the cheetah or Scotty Miller who knows (laughs) we'll see I compared their 40 times. Tyreek was like a 4-2-9. Scotty was a 4-3-9. Incredibly fast, too, but not quite Tyreek. But I, I would say, Kendra, um, your former track star, I rather see him try to race the great Kendra Douglas uh, than I would uh, Tyreek Hill. I think that's a better challenge. I think Give you could take Scotty yeah, give me a couple months. I'm out there. If you guys want to go, I'm out there. Let, let's give me give me some time to train a little bit. Like they're training every day. Like my training is like I don't know, going to the gym for a couple hours and then leaving. So like, give me some time to train, and and then I, I got you guys. So we'll have a competition. Okay, okay. What, what was uh, what was your event when you were a track runner? Okay, so here's the thing. I ran the 400 and I did a triple jump. So. Definitely, they might have a head start on me because they have that quick twitch in them, and that's why we kind of call it. But um, they'll definitely like, they could definitely possibly beat me. They might beat me. They might. Might. But <laughs> I, I think I could do it. I think that yeah, maybe. Who knows? I'm giving myself a lot of credit right now. I love so. it. I love the confidence, Kendra. Uh, that, that's contagious. That's great. Uh, and a triple jumper too. So, you, so you were quite the athlete, then. I know you were, but I, I didn't know you did. You were a runner and a jumper both. That's that's impressive. Oh yeah, <laughs> good time. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, going back in the wayback machine. Um, so uh, also, what kind of injuries? I know Antonio Brown didn't play uh, in an NFC Championship game. Uh, expecting him to, to be able to go. What's uh, what's things look like for who's available for the Bucks? I mean, of course you want Antonio Brown. He came here so late and then, of course, he's been, you know, contributing where he can. So I think that, you know, the idea is for him to come, but it takes time. Um, I mean, and and with the other guys, I think I think ultimately the goal is we'll see basically almost everybody. Hopefully we're still waiting on a couple other people just to see um, about their injuries. But I, I think the idea is that you'll see continue to see the same guys that you've been seeing um out there you know just i think that that's kind of the idea (laughs) yeah so as somebody that covered the chiefs for a period of time and you you get you've seen what they've done this year from your perspective what do you think of this chiefs team uh with this with this matchup at tampa bay here what 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 do you like uh of the many things there is what what stands out to you about this chiefs squad Um, you know, this year I've been really impressed with Travis Kelsey. I think he's stepped up in a big way, a sense of, um, it just the way that him and Patrick Mahomes are really continuing to connect and the way that he is working hard for the offense. So I think that that's someone that they will definitely target and key and is definitely Travis Kelsey. I've been very impressed with how he's with his season this year. He's done, he's, He's literally the best right now, you know. He's definitely doing it. Um, this matchup, you know, I think there were a lot of injuries going into the game for the Bucs. This time, of course, you want everyone to be uh, healthy. You know, Leonard Fournette, this is a game that will probably be big for him. And I think that you'll definitely see him and Tom Brady definitely have some interaction. And so I'm excited to see what Leonard Fournette does against this uh 
this Chiefs defense. I get these teams confused now. I forgot who I covered. But um, no, but I'm really impressed with, you know, how much talent the Chiefs have. But that's nothing new. We saw that last year. And we know that they're very big on let's bring in the big guys. Let's bring in, you know, when you guys got Le'Veon, that was when we were like, okay, all right. (laughs) You guys are trying to, right, right. I I see what you're doing here. So I think that, you know, with this Chiefs squad, you just have to be on your A game. There's, they don't, they have little room for error and you can see they don't really make that many mistakes. And so the defense is definitely going to have to be on their A game to, for less penalties and to make sure that they can stop guys like Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. Yeah, that's uh, th- that's for certain. Uh, you know about that. And the quarterback matchup uh, is certainly what's going to draw the headlines: Brady <laughs> versus Mahomes. Each of them, of course, already super, you know Super Bowl champ last year for Mahomes. Brady, you mentioned at the top how many he's been to now here. Um, just. I would be shocked if both these guys aren't playing at a high level here. I mean, uh, I don't necessarily know if it's going to come down to them, but uh, you know, the, the, these two, I, I would be very surprised if, if we don't see uh, something special out of, out of them. Uh, we're, we're not going to see Brady throwing three picks like he did last week. No, no. And, and I think it's so cute when they do like the goat versus the baby goat. I, I thought that was adorable, you know, because, you really are seeing two dynamic quarterbacks. And I honestly going to say this when Brady is done and when Brady is finished, I think a lot of people are going to be looking at Patrick Mahomes as that guy to come fill that in or like see what he can do. So you're kind of looking at like the now and maybe the future, which is insane. And I think that we had so much going into this with the momentum when they first played in the regular season. But of course, then you had injuries, you didn't have everyone on their A game, they weren't really sinking as much. Now you got a team in the Bucks that literally they are in they're they're in line with each other. I think Tom Brady will definitely so from what I understand, um, their last practices, if Tom does not like something, they do it over again. And if they do, he doesn't like it again, they do it over again. And Arians was like, I let him say it, you know, He's like, I don't like it. Let's do it over again. So you're looking at a guy who's very on his A game. He's very much somebody that wants everything to be clean and and, and crisp and cut and complete. So it's going to be an insane matchup for sure. And I'm I'm so pumped to see that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that'll be great. And, and, uh, and Kindred kind of, you know, I, I know you followed the NBA, of course. Uh, it, it makes me think of, you know, what if we would have gotten in some championship scenario, LeBron and MJ on the same mm-hmm. floor of some sorts? Uh, you, you look at these other great leagues and such. This thing just doesn't happen. We, we always have these, these fantasies, these ideas in mind. Like, man, it'd be so great if the two greats would have been on the floor, you know, these two different eras of sorts. Um, this, this thing just doesn't happen every day. Uh, I, I hope people – whether you you don't even have to be a Bucks fan or Chiefs fan, I hope people just sit back and enjoy real, realize how special this really is. I hope so too, because the last Super Bowl that Tom Brady was in, let's be real here, that game was not fun to watch. It was oh. kind of really boring. <laughs> it was very much like, all right, is is it like it's like watching like paint drag or just like are we getting somewhere with this? So I, I'm, I'm hoping that this is kind of nothing like that. And we're going to see so much excitement. We're going to see some crazy stats. We're going to see some crazy numbers. I hope it's dog. 
fight to the end. Um, but I don't want to jinx anything, but I really hope it is like a really big fight to the end. Yeah, I, I hope so too. Kendrick, we got a few more minutes left with you. So I want to ask you what, what else are you following down there in uh, central Florida these days? Uh, I know that, uh, uh, you don't just cover the bucks, but, uh, you, you guys have some Jags coverage from time to time too. That is going to be exciting in a couple months, this whole urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence deal too. We'll, we'll uh, we'll be here soon. I can't believe it. I can, but I can't. Like I can because I don't know what you were going to do with Doug Maroon. I think, you know, I got to give it to this coach because I think he knew his time was coming to an end. But he would say, like, in the locker room, you know, he would just tell the guys, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of everything you're doing, and I'm proud. And I know that some people might say, like, that's that can only take you so far. But you got to keep the locker room spirits high too, while you're literally not doing well and you're not playing well. So I'm definitely excited to see what happens in Jacksonville. You know, the whole, well, first, you know, we were going to, the whole Trevor Lawrence coming here situation too. Um, Who knows what's going on? You know, it still looks like that, but who knows? Maybe we don't know. Come, Come draft day, we'll figure everything out. But, you know, I, I, I hope things turn around for the Jaguars because we have some great quarterbacks really, like, growing in this area, especially with Miami and Tua. I think Tua just has to have, you know, a good year again just to grow. Just, like, you know, you can't expect so much out of the rookie when he came in halfway, too. Like, you know, like you, you got to, like, let him grow a little bit. So I think if he continues to grow and you can see that fight with him and Fitzpatrick also helping out, uh, you know, Florida's going to be a good place to watch some NFL football. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it will be uh, every weekend. You, you get plenty of great options. And then uh, NBA-wise, uh, the magic in your backyard. Tampa is hosting the Raptors this year. I mean, uh, t- tell us about that. Uh, the Eastern Conference uh, with a, a heavy presence right where you're at. Right? Isn't that wild? Like, what? who are we? Um you know, of course, with the Magic, you have some injuries. So uh, Jonathan Isaac is out. Markel Fultz is out. Both of them have ACL injuries. J.I., he already had a surgery. So now it's about rehabbing. And the idea is he'll get back next year. I, I imagine the next uh, the thing is, too, with Markel, he'll get back next year. So a lot of this had to do with Cole Anthony stepping up. And he's coming in as a rookie. And I think he's been doing a, a pretty solid job as a rookie leading this team. Um, Aaron Gordon has really been coming in and trying to play point two. So like you're having these guys step up in positions that like normally they would focus in, you know, in their own, but like they're stepping up to help this team just because the injury bug is literally impacting them nonstop. Um, for a while, they lost Evan Fournier. He was out because of back spasms and they got him back. One guy that's really doing great, Nikola Vucevic, he's killing it right now. And I think that he's a guy that's continuing to, um, and help them grow and I think that he's kind of the momentum guy like when they see like Jane in the threes and stuff they're like all right I gotta get it too so I it's exciting to see this team come together I hate that they had so many blows with injuries but I think you know after this they'll, they'll definitely be um, on the right track barring any injuries yeah um and uh, we, we mentioned uh, earlier at the very beginning, there's an idea of Florida possibly hosting the Olympics here. Don't know what this would look like if it involved the whole state or maybe a, a certain city, whether it's a Miami or Tampa or Orlando, who knows here. But 
Um, you guys have had so much going on with the with the bubble between the NBA, MLS, all the stuff we just mentioned there. Uh, at this point, I, I'm convinced if anyone could pull this off right now, uh, the state of Florida would seem like candidate number one, I would think. I know. I think everyone would say, sure, why not? I don't know how you can pull off the Olympics so fast because, again, they do these things years in advance. The bidding happens years in advance. The Growing the infrastructure, building this, the infrastructure happens years in advance. I don't know how they could do it, but hey, you know, like you said, if, if Florida can, can, Florida will figure out a way and Florida will make it happen. We hosted so many events, especially when the MLS is back tournament, we hosted the NBA bubble. And then it's just like, we can continue to host things. We're hosting the Raptors. So I, yeah, I, I think Orlando would definitely be a place that they could consider just because of how we've already been doing things. If you're looking into basketball, if you're looking into soccer, we already got two facilities that like have done it. Um, but I don't know. I don't even know. <laughs> it's, it's insane to think about, but Florida will figure out a way. They, they, they will. Where there's a will, there's a way. Um, yeah. And, uh, a couple more things. I'm going to let you run here, uh, Kendra. Catching up with your time since you've been there a few months now. Have you had any run-ins, heard any stories of the, the, the typical Florida man we hear about of some sorts? What, any, any crazy stuff go on you've seen? You know, I think everyone is literally still in their quarantine phases because I have not. I've been okay. I've, I haven't had the whole run-in with the Florida man. So, like, I haven't – but then again, like, I mean, my uh, – my journey was so different than what I thought, you know, like it, it, it's, it's, I moved here during a pandemic and I'm working during a pandemic. Our lives are all about like, you know, either working from home or working from outside. So different. Right. Um, and so it will be interesting if I do once this all ends. Right. Right. I mean, <laughs> it, it's not like you're going to, to Disney world every weekend or going to get, grab a drink after right. work. these are just different times we live in right now. Mm-hmm, exactly. I don't think I've even been, I've been here for eight months now. I haven't been to Disney. And, you know, but the thing is like, I've been, and it's like, a, like I, I'm fine. Right. <laughs> it's here. Right. So, yeah. I'm, like, I mean, I'm you, okay. Don't, you, you don't have kids, you know I mean? It's like, okay. You know, yeah. I'm like, I'm okay. Right. Let's just, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> when the nieces and nephews or whoever wants to come to town. All right. I guess, you know, but it doesn't happen. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> Kendra, before we let you go, where can people uh, see all your great work? I know you're going to be all over this Super Bowl uh, there in Tampa. What's uh, what's the easiest way to find you? On Twitter, Kendra underscore Melinda, M-E-L-I-N-D-A. Of course, on Instagram, Kendra.Douglas. And then if you just look up Wesh, Kendra Douglas, you should be able to find me. So for all of your Buccaneers needs. That's great. I love it. Kendra, uh, appreciate the time as always. It's great to see you and catch up. Glad you're doing so well there in Florida. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Big thanks to Kendra Douglas for joining us here on the Jones Report this week. Tyler Jones. Thomas Bridges back here with you now, and we welcome in Brian O'Connor from O'Connor Advisory Group for this week's edition of Coach Bo's Football Fix. And we don't have any games to pick this week. First time in a while since about, what, the month of August? We'll save the Super Bowl picks for next week's show. 
And uh, we're bringing in Coach Bo right now. Bo, appreciate the time as always, man. What's uh, happening in O'Connor Advisory Group this week? Hey, you know, it's still uh, we're still trucking along here in January, staying busy. We've got our um, um, our weekly uh, calls on Zoom coming up. We've got uh, we did start. We will be starting this week on Thursday. So when you hear this podcast, it'll be today. But um, uh, we're going to be doing the calls. We're going to kind of start over for week one this week. So if you haven't joined us, feel free to join us again. Um, we'll be doing those on Thursdays at noon. Uh, and then Tuesday nights at 6.30. You can check out the link to the Zoom. It's free. It's fun. It's about 10 minutes of a presentation. And then an open Q&A with me. Um, and we're doing that. You can find the link at O'Connor Advisory Group on Facebook. Uh, so check us out there. You can always ask questions at O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com. Uh, we're here. We're busy. And uh, helping people get their money right here in 2021. Yeah, that's great. group.com O-A-G-K-S.com. Also by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. And uh, you can also email Bo at brian.o'connor at lpl.com. And uh, you can also check them out on Facebook. You'll certainly be glad you did. Bo, let's uh, let's start with the Super Bowl matchup. We said we're not going to give away the pick, but I do want to ask you about the game. We're getting the Chiefs taking on the Bucks. And, of course, for the Chiefs, it's their second straight Super Bowl appearance. Tom Brady, it's his 10th Super Bowl appearance in his outstanding career. First off, what do you just think about this matchup between these two teams? Well, the storyline is obviously going to be, you know, the, the old guard versus the young guard. You know, Mahomes against um, Mahomes against uh, Brady. Brady. Uh, I just think that you know, this is going to be – the Chiefs are the best team in the league for the season. They have just played – if you look at the season, they've been dominant. There's no surprise they're there. On the flip side, there's not a lot of surprise that the Bucs are here. Um, they started out so slow, which I, kind of, I think a lot of us kind of expected because you got so many new players coming in. I mean, you had Brady and then Fournette and Gronk, and then you bring in Antonio Brown. And it's an interesting uh, dichotomy of young versus old. I mean, you got a young team with a – a coach that's, you know, an Andy Reid who's adopted and adapted his philosophy over the last couple of years to what the Chiefs are now. I mean, you have the Patriots, I mean, sorry, most of the Patriots, the Bucks with Brady and um, sort of the misfit island of toys of these extra players, these all-stars, if you will, that have all kind of come together in one place. Um, I think it's going to be a really interesting game. Uh, I'm not going to give away a pick yet. I think there's going to be a lot of interest. I think it's going to be competitive. Um, I, I don't want to give away a pick yet. <laughs> uh, let's look at this uh, Bucks team. Uh, you know, when, when I look at this group, one of the things that, that comes to mind is that the Patriot way seems to be written all over this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. And we didn't say that even a month and a half, two months ago when Bruce Arians really tried to push Brady to throw the football down the field. And that caused a lot of turnovers and they were losing some games. They didn't. Now a guy like Scotty Miller, who I don't think most people even knew existed three weeks ago has taken on that Damian Amendola, Julian Edelman, Wes Welker role of sorts. 
You got the tight end that Brady always likes in, in Gronk, even at this age, still playing well. Um, he's got his receivers. He's got running backs that are now catching the ball out of the backfield. They've cut back on the uh, deep passing game and gone to a short passing game. Um, isn't it interesting that they found a way to – uh, that Bruce Arians kind of gave in of sorts to doing things Tom Brady's way here. Yeah, I think that Bruce Arians is so underrated as a coach. And I'm not saying that because he is my 65-year-old doppelganger. Um, I will tell you, I've gotten three phone calls or text messages this week about, hey, you know, you look like Bruce Arians, but younger. Um, I've been hearing that. I can see it. Let's get you a fedora. Oh, yeah. If I have the Kang roll hat, oh, yeah, you, you, you'll see it. That's for sure. Um, hey, but the B.A. is a great coach. And, um, you know, he's always been the quarterback whisperer. So it doesn't surprise me that Brady's that Brady went there and is with him. Um, it also doesn't surprise me that he was willing to step back away from the deep ball stuff that Bruce Arians has always wanted to do and let Brady get the ball out of his hands. I think that was a massive change that helped their offense. Um, if they were try, if the Bucks were trying to bomb things down the field more often, Brady wouldn't be able to stay up, and it would be a problem. The pressure would be getting to him. What Tom Brady's always been successful at, the thing he's he reminds me, uh, he is one of the two of those best ever at this, and that's just getting the ball out of his hands quickly, making a quick decision and getting the ball out. His release time's incredible. Uh, the two quarterbacks I think of in those top tier is him and Dan Marino in that way. And um, Brady's never had the monster arm. It's always been that quick release. So I think it's a, a compliment to Bruce Arians that he was willing to say, okay, I do need to make some changes in my play calling in order to make Tom Brady more successful late in the season. And it's helped. I mean, they've played great down the stretch. You could argue about some of the opponents here, but – I mean, go to the NFC Championship game. They just totally rolled. Mm-hmm. And and I do, it wasn't because of Tom Brady. It was that entire team. That team is on fire. They're playing well. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting. I think that Bruce Arians thing, though, I think he's so underrated. I'm really happy he made a Super Bowl as a head coach. Um, you know, I would – I'm not a fan of either team. I mean, we all know I'm a New Orleans Saints fan. And I should hate the Bucs, but I've always liked Bruce Arians, and I wouldn't be too upset for B.A. to get a Super Bowl ring. Yeah. Uh, even as someone that wants to see the Chiefs win, um, at the end of the day, to me, it's not the end of the world if the Bucs of all teams are Super Bowl champs here. I- I'm-, I'm with you there. Bruce Arians is a very likable guy yeah. uh, for what he's done uh, throughout his career. With all that being said, one of the things that I'm looking at matchup-wise, Bo, is that when you look at this Chiefs offensive line, you're not going to have Eric Fisher. He's already been ruled out with uh, the the Achilles injury he suffered in the AFC Championship game. Mitchell Schwartz, we haven't seen him in months, and we keep hearing about, well, he might be back this week, this week. There's still a good chance you don't have him. And the Bucks' pass rush has been unbelievable the last few weeks. That defensive line's been as good as any defensive line in football. What do you think about the Bucks' chances of being able to get some extra pressure on Mahomes and uh, shake him up a bit, especially considering we were just talking about Patrick Mahomes having this concussion, dealing with turf toe, the neck, and all that. 
Do you think this is a big issue for the Chiefs going up against this uh, Bucks D-line? Okay, I'm going to kind of surprise you here. I don't think it's a big issue. Um, one, I'm not a big uh, fan of the tackle. I'm Eric, just, Fisher. Eric Fisher. Yeah, I always want to say that's somebody else. But Eric Fisher, I'm not a big fan of Eric Fisher. I think he's a fine player. Um, the, the Chiefs, he's always had kind of a bad thing because he was the number one overall pick in a really, really poor draft. Um, that kind of has followed him through his career. But I don't think that Fisher loss is a huge loss to that offense. And here's why. You're going to have Mahomes, who I think escapes pressure so well. Um, it's not escaping as in running away like a Deshaun Watson or like we saw with um, 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 Buffalo's quarterback. Josh Allen. Think, Josh Allen. Yes, I'm thinking Allen. Josh Allen. Uh, he's not, it's not escaping and making yardage. What Mahomes does incredibly is he makes that extra shift or a step where he's making one or two steps and then putting his body in a place where then he can use that big arm to make a throw that nobody else can make. He's very shifty. Now, it doesn't mean he's not fast. He is. A good example of that is uh, one week ago, watching the NFC game, there's a lot of talk about how late in the game when that third down play, Aaron Rodgers tried to force a ball in when he could have probably run for a touchdown. And I think that that's someone who's just looking to get rid of the ball. Mahomes has that kind of vision, but he's also not afraid to tuck the ball and run. So I think he's shifty enough that I don't think it's going to be an issue. I think that you'll see the Chiefs also slide the protections to one side or the other to give Mahomes time for the occasional deep threat. I don't think they'll be trying to throw multiple deep threats. They're going to hit them when they can. And when they do, you're going to see, you're going to see some max protection. You'll see Edwards Hilaire in it running back. He'll be making an extra block, trying to keep guys like Sue and JPP um, off of Mahomes. Um, that Bucks front four is pretty good because they keep them all pretty fresh. Uh, but the Bucks are going to have to bring more pressure to get to Mahomes. And then in theory, he then picks them apart. So I don't think it's that big an issue with the Eric Fisher deal. Okay. Because of the way Mahomes plays. Some quarterbacks are more um, a less mobile quarterback. Yes, it could be an issue. I don't think so in Mahomes. Okay. Last thing on the Super Bowl, then we'll move on. You're an LSU guy. I'm going to make you choose between your children here, essentially. Who is going to be the bigger problem for the opposing offensive sorts? Who do you think could could have a bigger game? Would you put your money on Devin White or Tyron Matthew? Matthew. Um, I have said this, that I think next to Patrick Mahomes, the most important person on the Kansas City Chiefs roster is Tyron Matthew. Um, and the reason being is that he can do stuff at safety that practically nobody else can do. He can be all over the field. He can help you in the run game. He can help you in the pass game. He can play one-on-one -on -one in a nickel situation on your best receiver. Um, I think he is someone who should be high up for a defensive MVP. I mean, I, that's Aaron Donald's award this year. But, I mean, Matthew's a guy who should get some consideration high up on her ballot. And I think that he is going to be a problem for the Bucs. Um, so, speaking amongst my children and LSU players, 
Matthew's my guy. I think that the Honey Badger has been incredible as an NFL player, even better than he was in college. And I think right now he's playing the best he's ever played. And I think next to Patrick Mahomes, he is the VP of Chiefs. What do you think of Devin White, though? I think he's a really great player. Uh, there are six LSU players in this team, on this game, three on each team. And I think all six contribute. Devin White's a real good ball player. And uh, he's a great tackler. He's a great cover guy. I just I like a lot of what he's doing. I just think Matthew's on a whole different level when you compare sure. him to two. Sure. Um, I think the Bucs are going to have to have a big game for my guy Fournette. Yeah. I think without Fournette having a big game, and I think that's a big reason they got to the Super Bowl in this playoffs, is a fresh set of legs with Leonard Fournette. He has a big game. It'll be interesting. Yeah. I'm not going to waste your time and ask you if you think Scotty Miller could beat Tyreek Hill in a race. We're, we're not going to go there. Not, not worth it. Um, <laughs> moving on, uh, Deshaun Watson, it looks like that it doesn't matter who they hire at this point, that he is going to be looking for a new home of sorts here. And I'm sure he's going to have a lot of suitors. A lot of people would like to have Deshaun Watson. What do you think of – this situation in uh, Houston, where do you see Deshaun ending up? What's the best situation for him, realistically? Well, first off, I think that Watson's going to push as hard as he can to get out of there. Um, I do think no matter who they hire at this point, um, I think the only hire that the Texans can make that will at least plagate Deshaun Watson is Eric Bieniem. And I don't see if you're Eric Bieniemy how you can take that job without an agreement from Deshaun Watson that he stayed. Mm-hmm. Um, the problems I see with this, though, is the package a team has to give up to get him is going to be phenomenal. It's going to be three number ones plus something. Um, I mean, we've seen a couple of deals in the last couple of years with Jamal Adams, with Khalil Mack, where they were two – Two high first-round picks for those players. That's not a quarterback, much less a franchise quarterback. So I don't know who can pay the price right now. Um, I mean, I've seen read a couple of articles on this and some different speculation. Um, I do think they'll be interesting. I think one of the things in the offseason to look at is the musical chairs possibility, possibility at QB across the league. And Deshaun Watson's one of those dominoes that if it falls – a lot of quarterbacks are going to be moved. Yeah, it's going to take a package. The best situation for him, honestly, is a team that's a win-now team. Uh, there's very few of those neat quarterbacks. You'd be looking at Indy, um, which is in the division. So the, the, the uh, Texans won't make that trade. New Orleans, who can't afford a quarterback because they got no money in the salary cap. New England, who I think could be a team that could go after Deshaun Watson, but that's not a very Bill Belichick kind of thing. Right. Um, in San Francisco. LA. What was that, Thomas? Uh, uh, Rams. The, I, I think the Rams could be one of those wild card teams that jump in there. I don't know that the Goff's contract situation. Well, and we just um, heard actually today that it's an open quarterback competition next year. Yeah. Yeah. The other one that I think that if it's the kind of no brainer, if it can get done, it'll get done is the Dolphins. The Dolphins are the team I think can make the best play uh, because they can put Tua in the deal somehow. Um, I don't know that it'll happen. I just don't know that 
And then you also got to think what's going to, what's Deshaun Watson's mindset going to be in a month, two months, you know, an off season's a long off season and a lot of things can be worked out, especially if you can get money involved. Yeah. Also think of, think of this when, you know, obviously I'm a LA Homer, but um, think of this. Uh, and I know Aaron Rodgers said he thought he would be back, but there was talk earlier this week that um, a lo- actually a, a substantial amount of talk about Aaron Rodgers going home to California, yeah. um, golf being shipped out and Aaron Rodgers going to the Rams. That's a pipe dream for me. I don't think it will happen, but there was talk of that. If I think, guys, if Aaron wants out of Green Bay, he can get out. He, he is – Yeah. Um, it's really up to him at this point. What say you, Bo? Do you think if Aaron Rodgers wants out, he, he could probably even pick his destination almost? Yeah, so I have a very strong opinion on this one. Um, I thought Aaron Rodgers should have asked out on draft day last year. Yeah. Um, I bet he I bet thought about it. I know that um, – I know, Tyler, you and I have talked offline about this. If I was Aaron Rodgers, I would want out of Green Bay. Uh, that organization has not helped him. Not the way that they help – not the way that other organizations help star quarterbacks. Um, Aaron Rodgers became the starting quarterback. And I'm going off memory here. I looked at this up last weekend. Aaron Rodgers has been the quarterback since 08. The Packers have not drafted a tight end – wide receiver or running back in the first round in that entire time. And somehow they end up with Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, yeah. and so, Aaron, Aaron Jones. Yeah, so Devontae Adams was one of the two uh, second-round picks. That was the other part, is they've only drafted two skill position guys in that time in the second round. It was Devontae Adams and Eddie Lacy. Now, I will say on a couple of these guys, I also think that sometimes you get players and they're made a little better by star quarterbacks. Uh, and I think that could be the case with a lot of the guys who are with the Packers right now. Now, I do think Devontae Adams is a special player, no matter where he's at and who he's with. And he was certainly worthy of being a number one pick. That was a good pick by the Packers. But look at right now, if you're Patrick Mahomes. What did the Chiefs do this past year in the offseason? They took the first-round pick, and they said, hey, we're going to get a toy for the toy box for Mahomes. You know, Peyton Manning spent an entire career in Indy before going to Denver, and what do they do? Every year they put more toys in the toy box. You know, Tom Brady's had that happen. You know, I'm a Saints fan. Drew Brees has certainly had that happen. I think that not only you have to give those quarterbacks some things to play with, to have even more success. The Packers have not done that. They've never spent a first-round pick on getting some help for Aaron Rodgers. And then they insult him, in my view, by taking a quarterback that they're either not going to play for another year or they think maybe they can trade him. What team's asking for Jordan Love right now? None. I would – if I was Aaron Rodgers, if I was Aaron Rodgers, i make the Packers lay in the bed they've made. That's just me wanting him to go to the Rams. But at the same time, you're MVP this season. You do what you can. Think of if they've drafted, a, you know, toy. Like you said, I, that's a great analogy. You said toys in the toy box. If they had a full fucking toy box for Aaron Rodgers, could they have beat the Bucks? Should they have beat the Bucks? Yes. Yes. Uh, if you want to the talk idea. scenarios, Tom, um, that same pick – you know, because they traded up for that pick, too. 
I could add Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager. I mean, let's say let's say Justin Jefferson for all intents and purposes. Jefferson, Justin Jefferson was on that team on Sunday. Without question, we're talking about the Packers playing the Chiefs right now. And and who did he go to? A division rival. Yeah. So yeah, and I don't I don't necessarily I don't know if it's on Matt Lafleur per se, um, but. It's talked about enough. Here's the thing. This would, this one would, would make me mad. It's not under the radar. We're talking about it right now. We've talked about it. It's been talked about. This is not a new thing. We've talked about it enough. Aaron Rodgers, with what he had, and don't get me wrong, I, uh, Aaron Jones, great player. Alan Lazard, I should have been drafted third, fourth round and went undrafted and, and obliterated my team. Uh, he's it, he was a standout, um, and and obviously Devontae Adams could have went first round as well, but yeah, sure, second round. Uh, I mean, the Rams got Cooper Cup in the second round. He's not even close to Devontae Adams. But that being said, we talk about this. We've talked about this. The Packers front office knows about this. This is not something that they don't. You know, that's at at that point. This is my biggest thing. At this point, it is a continual choice to disrespect. Aaron Rodgers by not getting him help. It oh, is a I choice. Is it's a, such a disrespectful. It's a continual choice that's been brought up multiple times. We talk about it all the time. Sure, sure. And Aaron Rodgers, they they're Ted, not respected in his greatness. Ted Thompson, Ted Thompson, their GM should be fired. I think for making yeah, that yeah. Big yeah, they, they should have made the Super Bowl again in 10 years. They should have been making the Super Bowl the same yeah. way the Chiefs are. And, and they had, the, they had, the, they had the, the team to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that falls on Ted Thompson. Ted Thompson should have and, been fired the day after picking Jordan Law. And yeah. they're in the division to do it. They're not in the NFC West. They're not in a super tough division. You got the Packers, the Lions, and the Bears. And, and, the, and here's the funniest thing. The next best quarterback in that division is Matt Stafford. And he's shit right now because the Lions are a mess. Yeah, you win the division. You should be winning the division every single year. You should be making the NFC Championship every three years, if not more than that. If you're the Packers, and they haven't. Yeah. This is the first time Aaron Rodgers got to play an NFC Championship game at home. Something's up. Yeah, Thomas, I agree with you 100. percent And I think that Ted Thompson has been the problem. And I think the other piece of that is. You know, I heard a lot of criticism Sunday and Monday about Aaron Rodgers saying, well, he's one in four in the NFC Championship game. What does he have? Before Matt LaFleur was there, Mike McCarthy was there. And it looked like Mike McCarthy just handed the football to Aaron Rodgers and said, hey, go win us the game at the end of the game. Uh, then Matt LaFleur made the bonehead call late in the game of not going for the fourth down play which is one of the worst coaching calls I've ever seen in game. I mean, even if you turn the ball over, you turn the ball over with three timeouts and the two, the, to the two minute warning and you give them the ball back inside the five, they are pretty limited coming back at you on offense that way. So the idea of kicking a field goal was silly to me. I just think that it was, it took the ball out of the best player's hands. And that's something that you just don't do as a coach. I just think that the Packers have disrespected Aaron Rodgers every step of the way. And people can call Aaron Rodgers surly. They can point to his relationships with his family or whatever. Look, that's none of our goddamn business, first off. And secondly, that guy has done 
everything that that organization has asked him, they asked him to sit behind Brett Favre for a couple of years when clearly he's a better quarterback. And I've said it before. I think Aaron Rodgers, skill-wise, is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. And that team has just absolutely positively treated him like trash. If I was Aaron Rodgers, I'd ask out too. If he does go, he's going to go to one of two places in my view, New England or San Francisco. And Don't I think say San Fran. Don't do that to me. Don't put that on my conscience. And, you know, you look at, I think, Tom Brady at 43 puts a team in the Super Bowl and <laughs> finds a couple guys to come to Tampa and such. Anywhere Aaron Rodgers goes – is going to be a contender of some sorts. They will compete very fast and very quickly when it comes to that. We'll uh, we'll move on. We got a couple more things to talk about with Coach Bo here in uh, this week's uh, football fix. Let's talk about some of these coaching hires now. The Lions bring in Dan Campbell, who sounded like a WWE fighter of some sorts with his <laughs> uh, speech when he took the job. The Eagles go with uh, Nick Sirianni, uh, which was kind of a off-the-wall hire of some sorts, the Colts' offensive coordinator. Texans still have not made a hire themselves at this point. Uh, Talking about those two jobs, uh, Bo, I was surprised with both those hires. Were you? Yeah. uh, So we're talking about Campbell and who else? And uh, Nick uh, Serrani, the uh, Eagles' new head coach. Yeah, Serrani was – so the Eagles' one was um, interesting. I thought they were going to go back to the Andy Reid well in some way, shape, or form, um, but they didn't. Uh, so that one does did surprise me. Uh, the Dan Campbell thing, um, I mean, I know who he is. He's obviously been with the Saints for the last few years, tight ends coach, uh, someone that's just been kind of in the learning tree with Sean Payton for the last couple of years. Um, I think that one's interesting. <laughs> that press conference was um, strange. <laughs> uh, it was like a ba- – I think you said it, man. It's like a bad WWE promo. Like, Vince McMahon would make him go, like, to back to NXT for that one. That would be awful. He, 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 he would be an AEW fighter. Oh, man, he'd be, like, the one, like, the local guy at the, uh, at the, you know, at the armory on Saturday night. I mean, it was pretty bad. <laughs> I just don't uh, – that, that's a promo you don't need to cut on that one. That's – yeah, I don't know what he was trying to – he was trying to say he wants to bring a certain amount of toughness. I get that. Um, I was talking to somebody about that this morning. I said, you know, you can't just show up and say, we're going to be tough. Toughness is something you have to do at practice. You have to do it. And it's going to be really difficult to change that mindset, especially, especially in the NFL. Trouble. Right. In the rules and now in COVID rules. So I, it's going to have to be a mindset – um, it's going to have to be different. That Lions team's in full-on rebuild mode because the Stafford's gone too now, and he'll be out of there soon. He'll be right out the paint here sooner than later. The Eagles are in the salary cap nightmare boat, and, I mean, who knows what they're going to be. Any coach going into that deal is going, well, they have to be able to have, figure out a way to fix Carson Wentz. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have a plan to fix Carson Wentz, there's no way to, no reason to go to Philly. So I guess that's the plan. Okay. I don't, I don't think anybody's fixing him. I, think, well, I don't think so. I think Carson Wentz is fixing him. But, yeah. I think it's, it's Jalen Hurts from here on out. I think that's what I would do. 
but the problem is, is that the wet salary cap thing is just a nightmare. And I think that the Eagles have shown their commitment is to Carson Wentz when they let Doug Peterson go. Well, yeah, well, that and they got all that money tied up in Carson Wentz. It's kind of like if you want to sink with this fucking boat, sink with it. Uh, because, you know, it's like the captain of the boat always goes down with the ship and Carson Wentz is sailing that show. Yeah. And my yeah. that's my opinion. But, I, I mean, at this point, I think the NFC East is still wide open, depending on how Dak Prescott happens, you know. Yeah, it's funny how that one player – shifts the balance of the entire division. I mean, there's not if a good Dak's coach healthy, in that division. If Dak's oh, Ron healthy, Rivera. Ron Rivera's a good coach. I mean, he's a, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, he got, he got your Steelers to take on Dwayne Haskins. Well, he didn't get them to. They somehow took him on. I don't know why. I but, mean, it was what he did with uh, Alex Smith and such to get to the postseason all that. I mean, Ron Rivera's a good coach. He's been to a Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, I mean, Grant, okay, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But he's, he's not He's not top ten. I think he's top ten. I think Ron Rivera is a top ten coach in this league. I do. I not top. Not top seven. Okay. What, are we just going to keep counting numbers here? What's the point in that? No, no, we don't. No, we don't have to do that. But I'm saying there's. I wouldn't take a coach. I'm over, just not standing for Ron Rivera slander here. I'm a Ron Rivera fan. I like. Him. I mean, no, that no, that's fine. I like what he's done. Great comeback story. Great with Alex Smith. That's cool that he came back from damn near dying, and and that's cool and all. But the aren't going to make noise in the NFL. Hey, well, it's not happening. The, the, the Washington football team. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Quit, quit being racist around here, Tom. Oh, well, um, get get out of here. <laughs> um, uh, with uh, with the NFL Hall of Fame, let's touch on that real quick. Uh, we're going to find out the next Hall of Fame class sometime in the next couple of days. And we had Steve Weishon a few weeks ago when the nominees were announced, and. You got five spots, Bo, and you look at the guys eligible. There's going to be some very worthy guys that end up still having to wait or that have already waited in such year. I mean, it's hard to narrow this down to five. Uh, Peyton Manning is obvious, of course, but beyond that, I mean, you got a lot of good guys worthy of those spots here. I think, is it five or is it seven? Uh, It's five. Okay, that makes it even harder because they are. When I looked, I think there was nine guys that I went. Those matter whole things. Um, there were three to me that I think here's can't leave off. There's three that I think are going to be in: uh, Manning, Calvin Johnson, and um, and uh, Woodson. Those are three that I think Charles Woodson. I think those three they're in. Those are the three. If they don't get in, something's wrong. Um, but there's, I mean, I had, if I was looking at it, I think I had seven or nine guys. I had seven that I was like, okay, this makes it even harder. And then you got to take two more off. Um, guys like Alan Fanica, who was, I mean, I'm not going to get in because he's a guard, but he's the best guard of a generation. Uh, John Lynch and Reggie Wayne are on this ballot. Those guys are Hall of Famers. I mean, there's, and there's other guys that you could talk about and say, wow, these, there's so many guys in this class you can sit there and argue for. Um, and then I have one that's a sentimental guy for me, and that's Sam Mills, um, who's not going to get in, but I think that Sam Mills is worthy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is going to be a creme de la creme class. I mean, you get in on this class, you're worthy. That's going to be something special. 
And uh, it's kind of cool to see that, that you've got some really, really great players. I do wish they would have a little larger class. I mean, I know like in, in baseball just had their class this past week and nobody got elected. And, you know, you can vote up to, for up to 10 guys on that. I kind of like how baseball does their election a little better. Um, you know, they don't, they're finalists. They have the 20, you know, they have their finalists and you just get a percentage and you're in and not trying to put limits on a class. I also don't think you should have a minimum either. So that's fine too. But there's so many guys worthy on this ballot that it's hard to say, um, don't let these people in. Don't let this one or this one in. I, uh, I had it pulled up here and I don't have it anymore, but I mean, no, just the guys on this class are just phenomenal. Well, and, and the thing I look at, Bo, is uh, if you are a borderline Hall of Famer, you're not a Hall of Famer. I mean, simple as that. There's so many guys worthy that we mentioned. If there's somebody that you're thinking, well, they might be, they might be, they're just not at this point. Yeah, I, the, the, the football, the, you know, the Hall of Fame is the Hall of Fame. It's not um, the Hall of Great. It's not the Hall of Really, Really Good. You know, so you'll see guys, I got the list up here now. These are the Tory Holtz, the Rondé Barbers, the Jared Allens. Those guys don't belong in the Hall of Fame. There's a couple of those guys that, I mean, they're just, they're great in their time, but they're not upper echelon all-time good. But then there's some guys, I mean, there's a chance that Reggie Wayne does not make the Hall of Fame this year. There's a chance that, you know, a guy like, Clay Matthews. I don't know if Clay Matthews really deserves it, but John Lynch may not make it. I mean, John Lynch was the best safety in football. I mean, you know, Al, I brought up Alan Fanica earlier. Alan Fanica was the best guard of a generation. He may not make the Hall of Fame this year. Um, it's kind of – it's interesting. I wish they would expand that ballot and say, okay, yeah. everybody that gets this percentage is in. If you got 10 guys, that's fine. Have 10 guys. Well, and, and they're worthy. They should let them in. The uh, the whole first ballot thing or anything like that. I could care less, you know, if whether your first ballot or not. It's just a matter of whether you get in. And uh, I think that's the most important thing uh, as far as that goes with these guys. But certainly, will be a lot of names worthy uh, when it's all said and done. Uh, Bo, I got one more for you before we wrap this up. I know I didn't mention this to you ahead of time, but uh, on the college end of things. Uh, they're in uh, the SEC. Tennessee's got a new head coach, Josh Heupel, the uh, former head coach at UCF, offensive coordinator at Mizzou, OU, and Utah State, former Oklahoma head coach. Danny White, his AD there at UCF, ended up getting the AD job at Tennessee. We know they got some sanctions and such here. Um, what do you think about this? Uh, Tennessee football hasn't been relevant in, gosh, 20 years or so. You know, Josh Heupel, his track record's mixed. I have no reason to think that Tennessee's going to turn around from what they've done uh, under Heupel. There's no reason for me to think, and that's not a, a diss on, on Josh Heupel by any means, but there's nothing that I see that he brings that shows that he can change what, tennis, what Tennessee's had going on. Well, I think that you have to look at the success he's had at UCF, and, and they, they, were, they were successful, and um, they – don't have the top recruits there. And I mean, he was in the Fiesta Bowl. Just, um, he was in a BCS game two years ago. He was in a, a top six game. I mean, I was, I was yeah. at the game. I was there. And and they and they were a good team. Um, I don't think it's a terrible hire. 
And I understand Danny White's the new AD there. And that's, you know, you're going to bring some people you're familiar with that does make things easier, especially going through sanctions. The biggest problem Tennessee is going to have is getting recruits. You're in the SEC, the top players, you know, the, the guys who are the five-star guys, the guys who are the four-star guys, you know, they want to go to Alabama. They want to go to LSU. They want to go to Florida, um, you know, even Georgia. And when you've also got Florida and Georgia in your – is your biggest rivals, you know, in your division, you're playing them every year. Uh, Tennessee, the way the SEC is, you play someone from the other division every year. Tennessee, it's Alabama. So, I mean, that's a tough one that you have to draw on every year. So recruiting is going to be an issue there. Um, you know, I don't think it's a terrible hire. I don't think that there was anybody else they could go get and go, this is the guy. Uh, this is going to be the guy that's going to change Tennessee football. Um, you know, they've just been kind of, you know, middle to bottom of the pack of the SEC for the last few years. And they've had some times where they've had a five or six game track record of, of being really good. You know, it's just difficult. College football to me right now is the most difficult time to be going from being a have not to a have. Go up to a new level is so hard. I mean, look at like some of the traditional powers. Look at what's happened with USC. USC can't get players. Yeah. I mean, you know, and so you see all these players that are the top players, they're going to the same five schools. And they're going to Ohio State, Alabama, LSU. Um, Georgia. Uh, Texas A&M's getting some of them now. I will say they've come up and that's a Jimbo Fisher thing there. Uh, Georgia recruits pretty well. But if you're not one of those few powers, you're just not getting the best players. And in college football, to maintain year to year to year, you have to have that kind of ability. Or you have to have lightning in a bottle and get in and out as the coach. Last thing uh, on Tennessee, we'll wrap up on this. You know, we know that Philip Fulmer had success there, and that was the last time Tennessee football was really relevant. But – uh, even when he got chased out of town, they weren't bad by any means. They were a lot better than they are now. Do you think that, let's say for all intents and purposes, if Heifel can get them to averaging eight, nine, maybe even ten wins every, every now and then, is that good enough? Do you think there's re a reality check of some sorts there in Knoxville that, you know, hey, they'll take what they can get, or, or are they expecting to be a national title contender? What's realistic there in in Knoxville that will meet their expectations. So I don't know that this is exclusive to Knoxville, but every team in the SEC thinks they're one great coach away from being Alabama. They all think that. Hell, even, even Ole Miss and Mississippi State think that. The only one that has realistic expectations in the SEC, the only ones are Vanderbilt and South Carolina. They know who they are. You know, otherwise South Carolina would have tried to go buy a big name this year. Uh, neither of them did, you know, but Tennessee, yeah, Tennessee thinks they're Alabama. They do. They think, and, and Auburn thinks they're Alabama and Georgia thinks they're Alabama and Florida thinks they're Alabama. And that's just not who it is. And, and so there's going to be unrealistic expectations. Now it helps Heupel that Danny White's his guy. You know, that's going to help him. Um, I don't think Heupel takes that job without Danny White. Yeah. And I think that so I think, but you ask, do I think they're going to have a reasonable expectation? No, probably not. Just 
track record of not just Tennessee, but everybody in the SEC. Arkansas thinks they're a great head coach away from being good. Uh, I mean, they all think that. I mean, think about it. What, who did Mississippi State hire last offseason? Mike Leach. Mike Leach. That's a big name. You know, Old Miss went and got um, – um, Like oh, Yes. Uh, you know, everybody's going to get the biggest name they can get because that's going to help with recruiting. Uh, you brought up Tennessee really hasn't been relevant since Phil Fulmer. And how old are you, Jonesy? I'm 24. Jonesy, I froze. Oh, yeah. I said I'm 24. Okay, you're 24. So, um, has do you even know who Philip Fulmer is? Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, Coach you Fulmer. know him. But does anybody else your age know who the hell Philip Fulmer is? No. 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 <laughs> you know, that's just like a number of years ago. You can go back 20, 15, 20 years when South Carolina hired Lou Holtz. They know who the hell. I mean, no, you, you don't go get a name just to get a name. In college football, it's got to be someone who can recruit, who who knows what they're doing. But that's as good as Tennessee is going to do right now at head coach. Yeah, all Plain right. And simple. Yeah, I. They're going to have and you. And your question was a great question. Are they going to have reasonable expectations? Absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, if you're hypo, I think essentially you're taking that job because the AD and you got the paycheck and you're set for life at that point. So, yeah, I mean, you, it's a death sentence of sorts. You, you pretty much know if, you're going to get fired eventually. If Josh Heupel goes and gets himself one season of 10 wins, he'll get him a contract extension. <laughs> and then someone else will hire him at some point and he'll go to a Another school that will offer that will give him what he needs and with a little less expectation. The SEC is a different animal. Mm-hmm. If if he gets if he gets ten wins, Auburn's going to be beating their own ass because they didn't hire Heupel and, and they instead got um, Ryan Harson. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's a great example. I mean, it's, that, I mean, they're they're both from the same. You know, the same level of school, both were, you know, both came to the SEC, UCF and, and Boise have a, a little bit of a somewhat of a rivalry, even though I don't think they've ever played. Um, but that that's a storyline. You know, I'm just hopping in here, but that's a storyline to watch. Who does better? Obviously, Harson probably has an upper hand being in Auburn as far as recruiting goes in Heupel, but that will be interesting to watch this season. Well- and between those two hires, I think Harson was the worst of the two hires. You look at his time at Boise State, he underachieved. He was handed uh, a Ferrari there in the Mountain West uh, from uh, Chris Peterson. And they, there's no reason why Boise State should, should not have been winning the Mountain West every single year and going undefeated about every other year or at least every third year. And he couldn't pull that off. Uh, Heupel uh, continued the success at UCF at a higher level than what uh, what we saw with uh, Boise State in the Mountain West. So we'll see. But I'm not that and, and Harson's first three games. Harson's first three games, I believe, are like Penn State, LSU, and Georgia. So good luck, <laughs> Bob. Before we let you go, remind folks uh, where they can connect with you at O'Connor Advisory Group. 
Check us out at uh, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com. The shortcut, if you want to get there, is OAGKS.com. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook. You can check us out on the web, on our website. Uh, you can call me, 785-856-0720. Uh, hey, check us out. We want to be part of your uh, getting your money right in 2021. All right, Bo. Appreciate the time, as always. Enjoy having a week, another week, to think over one game here. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Tommy. Good to, it's good to see you, Thomas. There you have it. Ron O'Connor joining us here at the Jones Report. Tommy Jones, Thomas Bridges back here with you now. A few more things before we get out of here. And uh, we'll have Tom Fulry coming up in uh, just a bit. I want to mention just real briefly, uh, I'm very excited. Uh, Tom mentioned Tulsa at the top of the show, um, you know, my hometown and such. And we are going to see the PGA Championship come to Tulsa in 2022. It was just announced uh, a couple days ago, in addition to the PGA Championship that's going to be there in 2030. And then there's also going to be the Senior PGA Championship in 2025 there at a Southern Hills Country Club. Uh, I've not played Southern Hills myself. I've not had that fortune to do so. And quite frankly, my golf game probably isn't worthy of uh, touching Southern Hills at this point, but Nonetheless, uh, this is huge. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this, Tom, the, the way I look at it for Southern Hills is we were excited when they were awarded the 2030 PGA Championship. That was a huge deal. And, you know, we couldn't look forward to that more. We were told the reason why they picked that year was that they needed all this time to, you know, prepare the course of sorts, that they needed to give the course back to the uh, members for a bit before they could shut things down to host a major championship. We get that. That's the nature of the beast. Uh, but the way COVID's gone, we've realized that we can schedule and cancel things pretty quickly, that we can adapt accordingly. That's one thing we've all had to learn is be able to adapt to changes in real time of sorts. And I think Southern Hills even kind of realized that. They're like, well, you know what? Actually, we can pull that off. Um, the thing that, that makes this so exciting is that in 2030, you were likely not to have Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. Um, and whether, no matter what you think of Tiger or Phil, even right now, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson are still the biggest names in golf. They're bigger than Justin Thomas or Brooks Kepka, or you go on down the line, Jordan Spieth, Roy McIlroy. It's still Tiger and it's Phil as far as household names. And you know, when you talk about drawing interest and selling tickets and TV ratings, Tiger and Phil are going to be there. And as long as they're healthy, I assume they will be, then that's a huge deal for Tulsa to have those guys in this PGA Championship. And based on Tiger winning the Masters just a, a year or two ago, I would think that fast forward a couple of years, he's still going to be a threat. I, I doubt he'll be the favorite. But it'll be a threat nonetheless. And so to me, that's what's huge about this is that people like you and I, people from Tulsa, are going to be down there. I'm going to do whatever it takes. If I have to take a week off work or whatever it may be, I will be there for every round. I will go. I will go cover this. But the fact that whether it's people like you and I that are from there or people in the area, whatever it may be, are going to get to see Tiger and Phil one last time in Tulsa Tiger won the PGA Championship the last time it was there in 2007. 
this is a big deal for those folks to get to see Tiger and Phil one last time. And then on top of that, and well-documented, we've talked about this over the last few years too, Tom, is that major championships don't come through this part of the country, through the heartland, through the Midwest very often. Uh, I had the pleasure of covering it when it was in Belle Reve back in 2018 in St. Louis. And at that point, there wasn't another major on the schedule in, in the heartland for another like six or seven years. Uh, they've scheduled these golf majors on the East and West Coast, the American ones, and it's been so unfortunate. So this is big for Tulsa. It's big for this part of the country to have this, to have Tiger and Phil there, and to be happening pretty soon. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. And, and Jones, here's the deal too um, about this. I live – um, legitimately within walking distance of Southern Hills. Um, I could almost pass it every day on my way to work. I pass it every Friday on my way downtown to do a karaoke gig. It's literally, it, it's literally, I say driving distance, but it's, it's okay. Here you want, you want to make it something crazy. It's literally a par five away from me. Southern Hills is, is where I live in Tulsa. Literally a par five distance. And that so, yeah, in golf terms, a par five distance, a long par five. Um, so, you know, I might not be able to obviously cover it in the same way that you are going to cover it. Um, but tickets for that sort of thing on Sunday are... 200 bucks 250 bucks i will be there next year i'll pay the 250 um i'll be there next year for it so we we will be there i'm more interested actually in the fact that all these golfers are going to be in tulsa it's great for tulsa it's 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 actually incredible that they're going to put the pga championship twice in the same place um in a decade I, it's it's great for the city of Tulsa. It's it's um, great for the state of Oklahoma. And if I had to root for one golfer that's not Ricky Fowler, or at that that point in 2030, we're probably going to be saying, "Hey, the next Ricky Fowler in terms of Oklahoma golfers is going to be Matthew Wolf from oh, Oklahoma Matthew, State." Victor Hovland, I think, is yeah, that too. I mean, there's a couple of them. You know what I'm saying? And and. I think it's all going to be better than Ricky is. I think Ricky – I love the guy, but uh, I would well, take those guy, both those guys over Ricky right now. Right, and, and, and at this point in time, Wolf is, is creeping ever closer. You know, sure, and it, and that's a cool thing, too, about having the actual PGA Championship. The last time an Oklahoma golfer won the PGA Championship was Ricky Fowler in 2015 at Sawgrass. Um, and it, it, Ricky's never won a major. He didn't win the PGA Championship. Um, Ricky, uh, he's won the uh, Players Championship. Oh, play. Okay, sorry, Players Championship at Sawgrass. Right. Um, that was 2015. But uh, I mean, Ricky's going to be there too. Um, you know, come next year. And then you you mentioned the Senior PGA. I don't know if I'll make that or not, depending on how much tickets are, but. Um, granted that's coming up in May. Um, and then obviously, yeah, that'll be 2025 when, uh, when they make that go round. The and senior? What? One's the senior. the senior. Yeah. The, the champions tour when they have the senior PGA 
And I would that's, think at that point, Phil Mickelson's probably in that event. So that'd be cool. Uh, oh, Phil yeah, that's, that's true. He would be the headliner for that. And that would draw a lot of attention. And, you know, I, I think when Phil makes his full transition to being on the Champions Tour every week, he's going to dominate. Um, Phil is going to be awesome. Uh, he's going to w- win – you know, every other week of some sorts when he does make that transition and he would be probably the favorites if we're talking, you know, even five years, you know, four or five years from now for a senior PGA if he were to. Compete, so you know, that when does when does Tiger make that transition? I don't know if Tiger will ever be on the senior tour, to be honest. That's what I'm saying. I was thinking that, I, too. I don't, I don't know I don't if he's know ever going to take that leap. I don't know if that's <laughs> below Tiger. I could see yeah. doing the like senior majors later on in his career, but I don't know if Tiger wants to be on that Champions Tour, you know, every week, whatever. And go is, he, is he gonna? That's that's the thing too. Is he gonna be able or want to take the back seat to do that? Right. I like, don't know, if you're Tiger. Why would you want to? You know, do you really want to play for? You know. Even even if you're subpar, that, even if you're subpar at that point, right? It would you want to play for eighty or hundred thousand dollars in New Mexico? I mean, like, eh, maybe not. Maybe I get other things I could do, right? But to for a company and make you know a couple million dollars instead. That exactly. Um, so to have but, him do let that, say, let me say this: as far as the. Uh, guys in Tulsa and such. You mentioned you like the Oklahoma State guys, and I do too. You know, seeing Gary Woodland win the U.S. Open as a KU guy a couple years ago, all that is special. It is, and and I hope those guys do well and such, and, you know, of, of course, obviously. Um, but, Tom, there is something about Tiger damn Woods. And I don't know if you've gotten the opportunity to see Tiger ever in person, but – that's the outcome I want to see uh, straight up. And I even admit somebody that's covering this, I have no shame admitting this. I want to be there for a Tiger win to see, you know, wh- one of the m- most incredible experiences in my life is, is seeing the crowd roar when Tiger Woods shows up at a hole and people waiting three holes ahead of time just to get the chance to see Tiger Woods and what Tiger's all about. I watched the Tiger documentary uh, just a couple couple weeks ago on HBO, and I got mad watching that because of how they portrayed him as this guy that was so, um, you know, they, they focused so much on his, you know, mistresses and such. I'm like, you know how much Tiger's done humanitarian work, the person that he is? Sure, he's got a few skeletons in his closet, but that's not what defines Tiger Woods. And that's what I want to see, Tom. I want to be there for a Tiger victory, especially as he's continuing to chase Jack Nicholas. He still wants to get that record and one more PGA win, and he'll have the uh, PGA Tour all-time record. So that's what I really want to see more than anything is be there for a Tiger victory. That would blow my mind. Jones, so if, if Tiger doesn't win, obviously we'll root for a Tiger victory. And, yeah, you know, you'll be there covering it. I, I have already said, even if I – don't procure a a credential for an event like this. I will be there whether, you know, whether I try to eat my way into making an after party out of it or making 
a, a corporate event per se, as far as DJing or something like that goes out of it. Because now that I'm here, now that I'm literally right, within right, right. Go ahead. driving a lime, a, a lime different, you know, a lime distance there. Yeah, I get that. Um, I'm going to be there for it. I guess if I had to pick another person besides Ricky an OSU grad or Tiger Woods, Jones, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, Max Homa, like Oklahoma. Max Homa is excited to come play in Oklahoma. Homa in Oklahoma. I like I don't know if you I don't know if you saw that or not, but he has said multiple times that he's like, yo, listen, I'm Max Homa championship in Oklahoma. Uh, H-O-M-A. Okay. Hmm. That that's half the name. I can dig that. That works. I don't. I don't know how big he is. I don't think he's that big. Sure. Sure. Uh, real quick. Uh, Big Twelve hoops. Um, Kansas lost again Saturday. That's three straight now. Um, if you've looked at the Big Twelve standings now, uh, Kansas is tied for fifth <laughs> with OSU and Texas Tech. Things aren't well in Lawrence right now. Um, you know, now that I'm a fan, not covering the team, is it? Is it, are the words "fire Bill Self"? Is that how that goes? I'm kidding. They can now. It better not be. <laughs> I'm joking. I, I had to put that out there. Um, but Baylor that threw a hundred points on awful K State last night, continuing to roll first place, eight and zero. They looked really good last week. Uh, in that game against Kansas and such, too. I mean, Baylor right up there with Gonzaga, as we've mentioned. Um, but here's one thing I want to look at. Um, how about those Sooners for a second here? You talk about a sneaky team. Um, Texas was the team, Tom, that we thought was, you know, the number two team in the league that was playing really good ball. Don't get me wrong, they are. They're 11 and three. Texas has had a great year. But look what Oklahoma did just this past weekend. Saturday night, uh, Saturday afternoon, they go in. They, uh, they beat KU in Norman pretty handily. Uh, the Reeves kid, Austin Reeves, played really good. They're without <clears throat> Manic right now, too. Didn't need him, didn't matter. They still get that win. Then they fast forward a couple days later, they go to Austin, take on the second best team in the league, Texas top five team and they go down to Austin and they lead all game long, came close in the finish, but Oklahoma ends up winning that game. Oklahoma wasn't ranked before those two games. Now they're ranked. They beat KU a top 10 team at the time. And now Texas, a top five team at the time. Uh, and OU's in third place in the big 12. Just one game back at Texas. Um, West Virginia, you know, they're 11 and four, four and three, Texas, 11 and three, five and two. Um, I thought Texas was def the, the definite second best team, but Oklahoma just came out of nowhere. Where did these Sooners come from, Tom? I, I didn't see this coming at all. We knew Oklahoma was good, you know, a, a good basketball team. No one was denying that. They weren't even the most talked about team in their own state with Kate Cunningham coming into Oklahoma State and all the excitement around that program and such. Um, we knew OU was good, but uh, what I wonder is, is this a flash in the pan? Are they just playing well over a stretch? You know, are they just having a nice stretch? 
or is this here to stay? Uh, nonetheless, uh, I am very impressed with what these uh, Sooners have done here the last uh, few games here. No, I'm impressed too with, uh, with OU, and that's tough for me to say. But at the same time, I was really hoping, and that we're going to get it later on, we're going to get OU, OSU, we're going to get Bedlam two times in like three days or something like that. Um, it's it's happening at some point. It's a, um, I think it's this weekend, isn't it? I, I think it could be. It could be. I haven't really checked the schedule. I was actually going to go to – Oh, no, no, no. Um, this weekend is the uh, Big 12 SEC Challenge. That's right, Arkansas. Arkansas is who OSU plays. I know that. I forget who OU plays. Maybe Ole Miss. Here's the uh, here's the lineup for the – and I guess because we're politically correct or whatever, it's the this year it's the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Um, <laughs> Alabama, uh-huh. Alabama plays OU and Norman. Alabama, I mean, this, this is where I, I want to bang my head against a wall, Tom. And uh, you knowing my situation, that probably wouldn't be a good idea. I want to bang my head <laughs> against the idea of Alabama being a top ten basketball team now. Too, I'm like, can no? Can we? Yeah, can we? Can we? Can they be shitty at some point in time? In some right, you can't just dump in, in something. You you can't be both good in basketball and football. Absolutely not. I mean, they, they demolished Kentucky the other night. I'm like, what the hell? Like that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but nonetheless, Oklahoma's got quite the test going up against a good Alabama team on uh, Saturday. Uh, Texas A&M plays K State. Um, don't know why anyone would waste their time watching that game. Both those two teams stink. Yeah, Bruce Weber's done. Um, and Texas A&M's bad. They're 7-7 seven and seven themselves. So, um, that, that game shouldn't even be on TV. They should make people watch that on ESPN Plus or something. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Arkansas takes on Oklahoma State. Two very good teams. Two tournament-quality teams. Uh, I like Arkansas's it. solid. I, I like what they've done there. Um, and then KU taking on Tennessee. Tennessee. 18th, Rick Barnes got another solid team, top 20 team, that game in Knoxville. Um, They should have really made them take on Texas. Uh, Yeah, I would like to see that. Um, KU coming off a three-game losing streak, that's a challenge. That is going to be something else. And and I I know KU actually plays Thursday before that, tonight against TCU, which they should win. But um, nonetheless – with them not playing great, they're vulnerable, very much so against Tennessee. That's a toss-up game. Um, Mizzou, who's been fantastic, um, and I hate as much as I hate saying that, uh, they've been great this year. They should have their way with TCU. Texas Tech, I think they're a better team than LSU, but um, that's not a guaranteed win. West Virginia taking on Florida. West Virginia 11th in the country, but Florida's a good team, not a given there. Baylor should crush Auburn. I feel bad that, you know, Baylor, the best team in our league, that's who they get. I mean, they deserve a better opponent than that. Um, Mississippi State takes on Iowa State. Another bad game, but Iowa State is so bad that I don't think Steve Prom is going to be back next year. That's how bad Iowa State is at 2-8. and eight. I expect Mississippi State to win that one. And then Texas um, should be able to have their way with Kentucky, which is something that uh, we – You wouldn't say every year. But I fully expect Texas to go into Rupp Arena and put the put the shellacking on a five and ten Kentucky. So 
with all that being said, this SEC Big 12 challenge, this isn't the best one that we've ever had by any means, not far from it. The matchups, there's going to be some lopsided ones here. Um, but, you know, so I, I think the three most intriguing are uh, Alabama OU, Arkansas, Oklahoma State, and KU, Tennessee. Those three will be the most telling as far as the state of the Big 12 goes right now. Yeah, you know, I agree. And, um, you know, I the Arkansas-OSU game is in Gallagher-Iber Arena. Um, but Arkansas has been playing super hot, super, super hot. And, and good for Arkansas because they haven't had a lot to, I guess, cheer about, maybe track and field. Um, but yeah, I mean, Hey, I mean, right. Um, when we laugh at it, but yeah, they haven't had a lot to, I guess, build themselves on, but, um, you know, since Bobby Portis played at Arkansas, they, you know, even when Bobby Portis played, you know, when he, when he even played at Arkansas, it wasn't a big deal or it wasn't a. I mean, this team right now without Bobby Portis is probably better than they are without Bobby Portis. And that's – and, you know, Bobby Portis is – you know, everyone feels a certain way about Bobby Portis. Um, Do they? I, I, I would assume because that's the last greatest – you know, last great great player. He's got at, the, the – the way I feel about Bobby Portis is, like, I can't look at him without noticing those big bug eyes. I mean, that's true. Uh, so, to be fair, because they are playing OSU, the last great OSU player to actually do something um, would have been, obviously, Marcus Smart. Um, and he's doing pretty well for the Boston Celtics, even though they lost to the Spurs on Wednesday night. But um, that being said, he's the last, you know, relevant NBA player um for Arkansas but they nonetheless they're they're playing a little really good and ESPN actually favors them I looked at the tickets for that game at Gallagher Iowa Jones they are at least you can't get in the building for at least you know you have to pay at least 150 um the same way actually with the Texas game which was kind of surprising but you know actually uh, you can have vivid seats right now you can get in for 88 bucks oh for Arkansas yeah are you sitting in 313? No, you're sitting a little high up there, but yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. Bad seat in that place, though. No, there's really not. I'll, I'll agree with that. But, you know, here, here's, here's where I sound, sound spoiled, Tom, um, as far as the job that, you know, I do and such. Um, yeah, you're up there anyway in, in the press. I box. would not. I would not pay for most games. Like it would have to be quite the game for me to ever spend over fifty dollars on a ticket at this point. Football included. Football included. Yes, and I am perfectly content with just sitting at home and watching. Well, you heard it here first, folks. There you have it. Uh, that's my my principle. If it's over fifty dollars, if, if Jones like, won't pay for it, don't go. <laughs> no, 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 no. I I wouldn't say that. No. I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I I want people to enjoy the sports that they go to, and you know, if if you feel like 
spending uh, 400 bucks or whatever, go knock yourself out. But that's, that's me. I'm like, I've come to the point now of being at enough games and, and such. I've knocked myself out multiple times. Yeah. I, I've, I've seen it at this point. And like 50 bucks, if it's beyond that, like, eh, okay, I'll stay home. I'll watch. That's fine. Uh, I'm content with that, but that's where I'm at as far as that goes. Anyways, um, before we get out of here, let's get to our uh, Tom Fulry story of the week this week. Tom, uh, what are we going to this time? Jones, so we're, we're going to stay with something everyone knows about. and we're Jones, do you know anybody that has not got a COVID test yet? Um, I do uh, know one person that I can think of off the top of my head, but that's about it. So the majority of people have had a COVID test and, you know, the majority of people listening to the show probably have either one thought about a COVID test or B have had a COVID test. Well, Jones, you've had a COVID test. Yes. Yes. Uh, I have taken about four or five COVID tests and uh, I was negative on all of them. Uh, stay positive, test negative. Right, I've taken three and have been negative on all, but Jones, so you know it, you're no stranger to it. They're sticking the swab up your nose to take the test, right? Yeah. Every test you've taken? Yep. So, Jones are doing something different now. They're doing something different. Um, and instead of giving a swab up your nose, this is posted by Josh K. Elliott of Global News. Oh, I heard about this. This is good. Yeah. Uh, anal swabs. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anal, anal, Man, anal swabs. If these would have been available from the beginning, I think everybody would be wearing a mask by now. Yeah, 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 you would think so. Um, and if they're not, I'm, I'm not getting an anal swab. But yeah, I, I, I said two words of maybe the. I'm not 12. letting anyone else administer that. If it's hey, happen, it'll be me. Exactly. Anal swabs to become China's number two method for COVID-19 testing article. Chinese citizens are clinched. Oh my goodness. This is the first this is the first read. Um, Chinese citizens are clinching, clinching. We've all we've we've all clinched. Um, up at an invasive <laughs> new form of COVID-19 testing in the country anal swabs state controlled media has floated the notion of anal swabbing for high risk groups in recent days citing claims by Lee Tongzing a deputy director in charge of infectious disease at Beijing UAM hospital some tests have already right exactly um, some tests have already been conducted and more are expected as the country moves into its busy Lunar New Year season. Lee says anal... <laughs> can you... Can we... This is what it's getting to. Lee says anal... It's, even saying anal coronavirus tests is just uh, is a little disturbing. You're sure. Anal coronavirus test are useful for cutting down on false negative test results among high-risk patients because the virus can linger in the intestinal tract for days after it's cleared out of the respiratory system. If we add anal swab testing, it can raise our rate of identifying infected patients. 
Eastern on CCTV Saturday. But, of course, considering that collecting anal swabs is not as convenient as throat swabs at the moment, the only key groups such as those in quarantine receive both. In other words, citizens won't be required to drop their pants at test centers across the country where throat swabs will remain the testing method of choice. Many citizens tightened up at the thought or the idea of the anal pandemic probe with some turning to social media to express their outrage. Low harm, but ex- extreme humiliation, one user said on China's Twitter, like Weibo service. Everyone involved will be so embarrassed, another user wrote. Jones, I'm getting the throat, st- the throat swab every single time. Okay. Are you uh-huh. getting the anal swab? No. I will pass on the anal swab. Um, what I like to do, Tom, is uh, I think about every time I've been doing the nose swab and I've done the rapid test. Um, and so every time I've had the COVID test, I've had my results back in like 30 minutes or less. I don't know why more people don't do that. CVS, a little pro tip out there. Uh, go to your local CVS pharmacy. And you can schedule an appointment, have them taken care of, and uh, and you don't, and they show you how to do it, and you do it yourself. You don't even have somebody do it for you. That's what I do. Are you swabbing your own anal cavity? Uh, my own anal cavity? Like, would I do that if I had to? Would you tell people about it? Yeah. I, I mean, we, we, when we open up this show, I'm an honest, open book. If... If I did that, I would tell people. Yes, I would. Listen, Jones swabbed his asshole. <laughs> right? And if he says he doesn't have COVID, he doesn't. <laughs> if, if I did this, which I wouldn't, if I did, uh, I would be transparent. And I would go public about this. Maybe we could do a, a Facebook Live or something of me taking the test. Whatever. Yes, I mean, if you t- if you take the test, I'll take the test. If we both have to get our asshole swabbed together, together. Yeah, let's let's not do it at the same time. You know, like well, I mean, no, not at the same time. And and I, you know, I'm not. I haven't been exposed, um, to my knowledge, um, in some time. Um, now, when I went to Vegas this summer, I was exposed, and I came back and took a a, a coronavirus test and came back negative um that was the no swab but i'm not gonna i don't want to be the i'm not going to be the first one that gets the anal swab test <laughs> I, I just i mean just not they could pay me to do it if they said we'll give you 50 bucks to take the anal swab um do i get do i have to do it myself or someone to administer it no, 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 no. Someone's definitely checking your butthole out. For $50, I'll pass. If I do myself, I'll do Well, here, here's the deal. You can save, let's call it, it's going to cost $100, but you need a test. And the only test they can administer that's a rapid test is, an, is the butthole test. Are you getting butthole tested? At that point, I'll go ahead and wait on the lab results and do the lab. Results. I mean, no, I mean, here's the funny thing. 
You just got a shot in the asshole today. I did do that. Yes. But you're not for, you know, to save 150. Yeah, I see there's there's a difference. I'm not I'll I'll do it, but I'm not I'm not telling anybody. I mean, I don't think they stick a swab up your butt. See that to me when there's a there's a point of uncomfort when enough is enough, you know, and like yeah, I mean, I I don't think the nose is that bad. I don't think so either. The the nose does hurt. I don't think I don't think the same length of the butt would hurt as much. It would just be more inconvenient to actually have to pull down your pants. Yeah. And have them literally stick a Q-tip up your butthole. That would be the worst. Yeah, uh, uh, Tom, I, I think that we've talked enough about butts and ass and not in any attractive way whatsoever for, for a while on this show. It depends. Are you the nurse? If you were your own nurse and you could administer the test yourself and have the results in 15 minutes, would you do that other than putting it in your nose? Like uh, given the option of the two? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would take the nose. I would still do the nose if I had the choice. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Maybe. On that note. Uh, That's why it's Tom Fullery. Yes. On that note, we better get out of here before we say something we regret. Um. <laughs> uh, there's probably already a lot that I've regretted multiple times, but. <laughs> oh, big thanks to uh, Kendra Douglas for joining us. Uh, she's fantastic. Give her a shout. Uh, and uh, thank her for coming on if you, you get the chance. Uh, big thanks to Brian O'Connor, of course, as well. Coach Bo, we'll uh, hear from him next week. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group. Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Tyler Jones Square Bridges, at TJ Media Group. Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Insta Thomas Jones underscore reports is uh, where you can find us there. We'll see you back here on Monday. And then uh, we'll have another show on Thursday as well. So uh, make the most of this weekend. going to be weird not having any football on. Uh, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for just one more football game the rest of the year until September. But uh, we'll make the most of it while we can. Thomas Bridges and our entire crew of Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you on Monday.